This past season, on My Comic Shop History, I have traveled to comic book stores across America, over a dozen shops in eight states, speaking to the folks behind the counter about the challenges and rewards of the comics retail industry. It has been my pleasure to bring you the business, culture, and fandom of the institution that is the local comic shop. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed the journey as well. Be sure to follow the story in its next incarnation, my 2018 documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, which you helped make happen. Thank you all. And now, the season three finale of My Comic Shop History. Welcome to the season finale of My Comic Shop History. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. My journey concludes at the Spider's Web in Yonkers, New York. I am joined here today by the store's owner, Paul Barrero. Hey, how you doing, Anthony? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. And staff member, Andrew Gonzalez. How's it going, sir? I'm doing well. Manager. He is the full-fledged manager. Full-fledged manager. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, congratulations. Of course. Right. Thank you so much. Is this a recent development, or is this, um, has this been in, in place for a while? A year or two. Yeah. yeah, it's been placed in for a while, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. I apologize that I didn't give you your proper due, but that's oh. very cool. That's all right. I work at Spider's Web. That's all. <laughs> that's very cool. Well, owner and manager, so this, this is going to be great. So it is a, very appropriate that we end the season here, and from the beginning, I knew that this was going to be the season finale, and it's fitting for a couple of reasons. One is that, Paul, I had you on My Comic Shop History in season one. Right. It was episode seven, our Comic Shop Business School episode. Right. And at that point, you were two years into this, and we sat down and we talked all about the process of opening this store. Right. And, you know, for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, if you're new to the show this season, I really encourage you when you're done listening to this, go back and hear the origin story of the Spider's Web. It's it's a really great episode. People seem to like it a lot. So, uh, you know, definitely give that a listen. So... You know, I spoke to you two years ago, right? and you know, during that season, we were chronicling the end of alternate realities, and that was really the first time when I had you on where I explored a different store. Right. And in a lot of ways, I think that was at least an inspiration for what this season became. Uh, and then the other reason why I think that it's so fitting that I'm here is that this store, really more than any other, to me, is, is the closest to alternate realities. Alternate oh, wow. realities, of course, is, you know, my comic shop. Right, right. And it is history at this point, sadly. But you are a former alternate realities customer who opened your own store. Right, I'd right. say probably the largest concentration of our former customers ended up here. And just in terms of vibe, I, I always felt uh, most at home here, I guess. Okay. So, uh, again, it's kind of like home base, like we're ending on home turf uh, right, for the right. season finale here. Wow, that's... That's pretty cool, man. Thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate it. No, of course. It's always great wow. to speak to you. So, okay. So this is my the, the biggest and the first question, and I feel like we'll unpack it as we go throughout the episode here, but I want to just put it forth. So, like I said, we spoke on this podcast two years ago, and my impression of you at the time, you were two years into to your store, and it, I felt like you were still you know, optimistic and you were enjoying yourself and, you know, we addressed some challenges that you were facing, but overall right, right. it seemed to be a positive outlook on your store and the industry in general. And so I've been dying to ask you <laughs> two years later, I mean, how, if at all, has your outlook changed? Um, it has changed a little bit for the business perspective. In other words, I have to protect my investment. So I have to do certain things. 
I have to stay in contact with certain people. And has it been challenging? It has been very challenging. Yes, it has. Um, money rolling over, money rolling in, worried about this, worried about that, what products to get, what products not to get, um, dealing with distributors. There's, there's a lot involved in, I have, we're going into year five now for May 2018, year five, and we have learned a lot. We really have about the industry. Should I get into detail? Well, my first gripe? Yeah, please. <laughs> my first gripe would be Diamond Comics. Every week something is missing. Every week something is damaged. To get our missing books and our missing, missing books and damaged books, it takes two weeks for them to UPS it to us. Within those two weeks, if they're damaged and if it's a hot book and it's a missing book, they're going someplace else to another comic book shop. So I got to get on the phone right away, upload it on Comic Suite, get on the phone right away to a representative, and I'll get to the representatives in a minute. Sure. And see if they can UPS it next day. If they don't, I lose all those sales. And then I have subscribers who are going to be kind of, you know, I don't want to say angered, but yeah, they'll be angered because it's a hot book that time. And, you know, dealing with the representatives, I've had since I've been here maybe... 10 different representatives. You know, we talked about this when I stopped by here the other day in advance of this recording, and that is something that I've heard from a few different retailers I've had on the podcast yeah. this season, either not having a rep for a long period of time or going through many reps in a right. short period of time. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy, but it's, it's the business perspective on Diamond Comics side, and with us, it's just kind of you know i don't know how to what's the word i'm looking for it's kind of disappointing i guess because you want to try to make your customers happy then things don't come about especially like with super, uh, special orders you upload it through comic suite it takes two weeks to get here we understand that but then now it's back ordered or solicited for another date or even you know what's the word um sent to other stores instead of us oh really yeah. So Comics, we, we talked about that when you were on the show the first time. That's Diamond's point-of-sale system. It's, it's an excellent system, no doubt about it. It's an excellent system. You know, you get your books on a, a Tuesday afternoon. You check everything to make sure everything's good. Get your mistakes, your missing books, your damaged books. You upload everything to Comic Suite. You get an email saying, you know, it's been confirmed. We'll send this out to you right away. You know, you could look up back issues. You could look up, you know, trades, toys, whatever you need. And if it's there and it's available, they'll send it to you. With, with respect to not so much shortages, but damages, how much of a stickler are you guys uh, when it comes to evaluating books for damages? Ah, I've learned this from Steve Odo. If it's damaged, if there's a crease, whatever, whatever type of damage, it's damaged. And I've learned from him, customers don't want it. That's, that's uh, I feel like that's earlier Steve Odo. Later, later Steve Odo was a little, yeah. uh, a little more uh, relaxed with but that. I, I wouldn't do it to the customers here. Yeah. You know, I would take a copy myself because I read it. Well, that's the ironic thing because I remember when I would be behind the counter at Alternate Realities and you would mm. come in for your weekly stack of books and there was stuff that right. wasn't in your folder or wasn't on the shelf because we were like, oh, it was damaged. And you were like, right. no, it's fine. Like, I'll take it. It's fine. And we would go to the damage pile and do that. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, where do you kind of fall in this uh, evaluation? Since I'm uh, dealing with a lot of uh, customers because he's here when he needs to be, but a lot of times throughout the week, sometimes it's just me and we have guys who treat their comic books like their food. So it's uh it's difficult to 
tell them that oh we don't we didn't get this and they have this disappointed or they, some, some of them get a little I mean like oh you didn't get it in and they're like no it's, it's all damaged and uh, they're wondering why it's damaged wondering if I did it or something like that and I also noticed that maybe four months ago they stopped putting the names in who packed the boxes oh and interesting yeah there used to be a little number. slip in the diamond boxes saying like this box was proudly packed by Jeff exactly right, they don't and do that anymore Jeff is no longer there <laughs> I always question whether those names were even real to begin with. <laughs> no, we, I think we got a couple that were definitely fake names. Yeah. Uh, it had like an A and like a letter in it. And kind of on the note of uh, your role at the store, Andrew, like what kind of what kind of dynamic is it uh, working for Paul? Do you, I mean, because it's really interesting. There's only been one other store this season where I had the owner and a staff member together. So it's always an interesting mix. I mean, you know, like, do you guys complain about Paul when he's not here? Like, what? Like, what's the dynamic like? What? <laughs> no, no. Paul has a uh, uh, a very particular attitude, and we're always like, oh, Paul's always like, like he'll, he'll say certain things, like, oh, es possible. Like, he, he we, we like, you know, jabs at him and stuff like that. But uh, he's not. He's he's a boss, of course, but I don't see him as my uh, my boss in the perspective of me looking at him. I know what I have to do, what I have to do for him, and I know uh, my responsibility at the store. But he doesn't treat me like I'm some hey, mopping the floor over here, man, man. you know, uh, like it, it's yeah. uh, it's a pleasure to work for him. Oh, thank you, I appreciate that. Definitely, definitely. I mean, there, there's a codicil to this too, you know. Andrew and I really get along. I consider him like my little brother, you know, and we talk about certain things. We play video games. We read comics together. You know, sometimes we hang out to, outside of the store together too, and it's just like. I really appreciate him because he goes above and beyond what he's supposed to do in this store. I don't have to tell him to pick up a broom. No. Hey, back issues are done. He does it. I don't have to tell him to do anything. It's self-sufficient. That's why as, as we got more into the years of the spider's web, I can do my other business outside now and take care of other things. I fully trust him. No, that's awesome. And that's, you know, I you mean, know? I, I kind of had that sense already. And I know you guys well enough. That's why I asked that question yeah. in the first place. Uh, but that is really cool. It's interesting because, I mean, that dynamic is very similar to what it was like at Alternate Realities with Steve and those of us who work there. Right. But it's funny because in other stores that I've gone to, some of the retailers I've spoken with, you know, there are more walls that are there between the retailer and the staff member or mm. the, the staff and the customers. And again, that's very different than what I experienced. Um, right. And again, I get the sense here that it's it is similar to what it was like at this, alternate reality. This is a friendly place. We'll be playing video games here back here, and customers come in and play with us. Yeah, we're playing Pokemon or, or or even Magic, and they'll jump in. It's a friendly place, you know. It's, why do we have to have this? this stagnant you know negative place right it doesn't have to be like that and in fairness when i say other stores you know there are more walls there i don't necessarily mean that in a negative way but it's just like right. you might not have the owner and the customers going out to dinner after the store closes right, you know right. things like that and you know their perspective on it that they've shared with me in these episodes is just that you know if those walls come down then the customers might not recognize this as your business anymore and you might kind of it just blurs the lines and it could right, be problematic right. no it, it hasn't become problematic here because I don't, I don't know about andrew but i'm i'm friends with on facebook with some of the customers on, on instagram on twitter as well you know they send me messages and stuff like that you know we joke around at the counter you we drag marvel through the mud all <laughs> of us you know dc's better yeah okay and you know we have friendly little arguments but it's it's I, I I would say it's just like that, right? Yeah, uh, uh, living in Yonkers and having a lot of Yonkers 
based customers, of course. Uh, there are times where one, like one of our customers is a fireman down the street here. And I, I walked by and he was out there reading the newspaper. He goes, oh my God, I got my comics. And he came the next day. Nice. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, you're friends with these guys, see these guys. And also you got to be friendly so you don't want to end yeah. up being like, you go there just to get your books and you leave. You stay a little longer, you know, buy, buy something or you talk and right. you feel comfortable here. Exactly. Now, Paul, you mentioned your other business. And mm-hmm. I know we talked about this previously that you, you own a number of properties. Right. You're a right, landlord. Right. So I know this is not your sole source of income. Right. But I guess the question, if you don't mind me asking, and I only ask because I feel like we know each other well enough. Okay. Is this a source of income? Honestly, maybe for my toys or for my comics. Gotcha. Because sometimes, honestly, I have to bring my other resource in here because there's so much expenses in here. You got, you know, the the Verizon Fios going. You got the heat, the AC going. You know, sometimes during the month we don't make the whole thing, but we're doing well, you know. But sometimes I have to put in just a little bit extra just to get ahead of myself. Right. So, but Ken, yeah, it's a little interest, yeah, you know. But it's not something you can necessarily live off of if you needed to. If I really, really, really needed to? No, no, it's, it's, it's paying for enough. It's paying for enough of my personal stuff, yeah. But no, not really. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, I ask because I know yeah. from whether it's in the episodes or off mic or just the things that I know and I've heard. I mean, I know, right. you know, not all retailers are able to, you know, pay themselves or sometimes no. they have trouble paying their staff or right. covering their diamond bill or paying their rent, things right. like that. And, right. you know, I know it's tough. And, you know, even right off the bat, this has come up a number of times. A lot of stores are undercapitalized when they start. Right. What kind of like looking back on it now, where do you think you fell in that respect? To start up the yeah, business yeah. alone? I started with about at least $100,000. That's pretty substantial. For the fixtures, for everything, the shelving, to get all the books on that one day from Diamond, all the graphic novels, everything, flooring. You know, the, the system alone, the, the Diamond system alone is $5,000. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's a lot. It's, a, it's an expensive business. It's a weekly business. And people don't realize that that as you're coming from reading comics or collecting comics or whatnot, this is the other side now where you have to have a business perspective and you have to have a little outlook. You know, you have to think three or four months ahead. Should I get this? Should I get that? Should I cut down my cost? Should I cut down my expenses? You know, it adds up a lot. It really adds up. And, and some of these books, the, the independent books, I've really cut down a lot. You know, they were, weren't were selling. I'd get only like maybe four or five issues each. Maybe one or two customers would pick them up. So now if they're not selling those those five copies, I take them off. And if you want me to get them for you, I'll put them on your subscription list. That's, you know, that's how I was working now. Like the action figures. Action figures in the beginning were going very, very well. Just like the Pops. Right. Now Pops here, they don't sell that well action figures don't sell that well anymore you got toys r us you have gamestop that's not yeah, it's selling really out. hard to compete with the price point that a yeah. toys r us could offer on and a set of action figures even best buy is selling all this now and geek think think geek yeah they're selling all this and they're owned by um gamestop i can't compete with that and most of the time people are getting them online too so you know even though i do ebay once in a while it's still hard to compete with that 
it's a it's a difficult thing to have to compete to other stores. Uh, there, there. I went to GameStop one time to pick up a game, and uh, I actually picked up an exclusive Darth Vader cover <gasps> for first Star Wars. Yeah, and they had it there. It was just odd that they had. I understand, like you know, Walgreens will get like an exclusive figure. It was Walgreens, right? But it's a uh, when when um, Walmart and Target are offering. Pokemon boxes and magic cards for three for ten or boxes for like eighty dollars instead of, you know, what they should be priced. Right. Then people are coming to uh those stores to buy cards and they're coming here to see if we buy, sell singles or they just play and they don't buy anything. Right, right. It makes it hard to do so. And uh on the other point with the uh Pops? With with the Pops, it's this store is a reader store. And we notice that by the people who come in here, people who come in here, these just want comics. And even we have new customers who uh, just want comics. And I'd be surprised. We have a couple of guys who want pops and all that. But uh, they, I've been told various times that this store looks like a comic book store. Like, it, uh, we have the figures and the statues, but we have a better selection of comics. And so uh, I do appreciate, you know, being part of something that's like this instead of uh, working like Urban Outfitters or other places where they have, like, a box of, like, comics Right. And it's not treated the same that the way it should be treated. But that that was my goal when I first opened up, to do something a little different with independent comics. Because you look throughout Westchester County, you don't have people who display independent comics, and that was one of my goals, and I accomplished it. But I had to cut back little by little. You know. Uh, you never know what's going to be popular unless you're on the internet, which is done so much for comic books now. Because before you had Paul's, to, uh, Paul's shaking his head. I, I know you. You had to read a comic before, and someone they spoke about it, and all these magazines, you know, Wizard and all that, and then you would go and search for this book. But uh, a book could become from two ninety nine to forty dollars two days because someone read it and put a review up. And so now we we only order eight to ten totally awesome Hulk. And now that issue where Weapon H first appears is sold out across America. You can't get that issue. But it, it's no one trusted this Amadeus character. So we're like, we're not going to get a bunch of these books. And you put something that important in a book that you aren't pushing. It's just difficult to order these books in advance. You never know right. if you need 15 right. of these things. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, already you've hit on, uh, you know, many of the challenges facing retailers. And, you yeah. know, that one in particular, being able to gauge what the interest is going to be in a book and get those numbers right, as, right. as accurate as possible. I mean, I like I know how tough that is. I mean, is that I mean, as far as like all these challenges, I mean, the gauging your your orders and and hitting those numbers as closely as possible. I mean, how how much of a problem has that been within the context of these other things? There was a time where I got my numbers just right for all the customers, walk-ins, subscribers and everything. And then it's like all of a sudden I'm getting these numbers still, but they're not selling anymore. And there's various reasons why. It's the writing. It's the art. Nobody's interested in this anymore. It's not like the movies. Those are the complaints I get. So what do you do? You start lowering your numbers. And then when you do your orders, you just got to make sure you read those solicitations, the synopsis. What's that comic about? You know, there, there was an independent comic by Aftershock, Baby Teeth. Yes. Oh, that's an excellent comic. It really is. And I only got maybe like six copies of that, you know, to test it out. It was sold out one Wednesday. I had to get more in. I tried to. I couldn't get it. Waited a couple of weeks. Second printings came out. 
Then at my number two issue, I raised it to about 12. That sold out too. Then number three came along. I got the same number 12. Didn't do so well. I don't know why. Only half was sold. Number four came about, sold out again. So it, it's, it's kind of like the reviews online or, or word of mouth that kind of, you know, gives the comic the force to be sold. Are there things that you've done or, or like to try to do in the store that you think might um, maybe move the needle a little bit, whether it's setting up a display to like really feature something prominently or do more hand selling? I mean, what have you found? Here's what I do, and, and he's seen me do it. Some customers come in here and say that I'm like a drug dealer, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Baby Teeth, for example. Hey, this is a great comic. Here, try it out. I don't know. I don't want to go into independence. Take it on the house. See if you like it. When you come back next time, we'll talk about it. I've done that to many, many customers, many titles and everything. You've seen the way I do this, right? It's like candy. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's to get people interested in that title, which I think, because I've already read it, which I think is good. You know, Star Wars title. Hey, try out Darth Vader. You're going to love this. Yeah, but I don't like the new Star Wars. No, 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 no. Try it. It's all right. Come back and tell me how you'd like it. And they put them on the list, and the, the customer, they'll come back and they'll try the next issue. That's why I don't do displays or anything. It's, it's like word of mouth. You know, here, try it on a trial basis. If you like it, you like it. You don't have to pay me. Don't worry right. about it. And if you want it on your list, I put it on your list. That's how I do it, you know? Yeah, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll try to put, uh, like, a top picks this week in, in the front there, and then we'll all read those books, and then we're like, we really recommend these books. Or, like... We bought a box of Marvel cards, 1992 Marvel cards. Sure. And and this guy, cheap, just got them. And, and we weren't selling them. We were giving them away for nostalgia purposes. But we've been starting to put, or I've been starting to put the uh, Marvel cards in in bags in the new Legacy books. So trying to make these books like package, oh, it's a Legacy book. It looks all this. The number's back. You get a Marvel card. That's really cool. And bring it back to yeah, no. the times where I was reading comics. I was getting a bunch of stuff, foil covers and all that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's smart. I mean, you know, while we're talking about gauging interest and numbers and everything like that, so this season finale episode will air on Wednesday, November 22nd, and we're mm-hmm. recording it shortly before that date. And on the 22nd, Doomsday Clock number one comes Ooh. out. DC's big new event series. Yes. So... I guess what sorts of expectations do you have for how well it's going to perform? So it's so easy for us now, and I'm sure for a lot of comic book stores, to trust DC. Where you can, I'm going to order 75 to 100 of these comics because I trust that you're going to put the amount of care you, you would put into your characters. And with those, he was talk, it is the first time he really talked to me about, well, what's the number you think we should order? And he does all the ordering, but how, how many did we get? I don't know. We got like, a hundred lenticular covers and seventy-five regular covers. Okay, yeah, he, you went big on that. He's absolutely right, and a lot of customers are expecting, you know, this comic to come out. And what I also find very encouraging and trusting DC is if you don't sell all those comics, you can send them back. Oh, have they already said that it's going to be returnable? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I haven't heard that, but okay. I'm pretty sure it will be. Because I know they made a lot of the rebirth stuff it, returnable. That was so excellent. You know, it's 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 a thing like that, a relationship, a business relationship that where you won't get stuck with 20 issues of one issue. Right. You know, a lot of a lot of the comic book companies do do that, except for Marvel. Yeah. 
and you're stuck with them. Right. But Marvel, if you mess up your numbers, you're stuck with a lot of Marvel comics. And what we do is we give it out to kids. We gave a whole bunch out like on Halloween Comic Fest. And we just give them out here. Try this. Try this. When the kids come in. Yeah, and I've seen you do uh, dollar dollar bin dollar books as bins. well. Dollar bins. Yeah, we've done all that, you know? Yeah, but, it's quite the model. And we, we've talked about this uh, right. many times over the course of these podcasts. But the fact that you are paying for these things outright and in most cases can't return them. It's such a... Yeah. It's putting such a burden on retailers and it's, it's such a like a twist on the traditional model where right. like at Barnes and Noble or something you know they can send back what they, they don't sell and you can't then now the other thing is a lot a lot of the majority 95% of the people who come in here customers whatever they don't know that we pay for the free comics on free comic book day or Halloween comic fest they don't know we pay for that do you put out signs that say, don't be a pig, like Steve used to do? No, I don't do that. <laughs> I, I try to keep it nice and peaceful ah, You'll get here. there. <laughs> um, there. There have been a few comments that I've had to say. There was this one woman with her son. She just grabbed a whole bunch of piles from everywhere. And I noticed, that was last year, Halloween Comic Fest. And I noticed that we were low in supply in comics. I was like, yo, what's going on here? And I noticed she had a big bunch in her hand. And I put out some more. She came over, started grabbing, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You've had enough already. Your son has enough. Leave for the other people. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's, and I know what Steve used to say. It's freeloader day. Yeah. I remember that. It's, you it's, know? It's, you know, it, it's, uh, we actually get a personal phone call from, uh, I believe his name is Mark at Valiant. Uh-huh. This guy called us and was like, we want you, yo, what do you need from us? What what can we do to push Valiant Comics? Oh, can we send back books? We'll send you a list right now, and and they allow us to, which is something I've I don't think even DC does. Uh, they have a trade uh, policy where if you want to give back a bunch of issues of X Men War, they'll send us X Men War trades. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I've heard, you know I've heard good things about Valiant and some of these other publishers. I mean, you know, we usually talk about right. it in the context of Marvel and DC, but obviously there are so many other publishers and. They mm-hmm. do offer some options and some alternatives, like what you, what you just described. With uh, Doomsday Clock, for example, so you're going with 175 between these, these mm-hmm. two versions. Yes. How many people have actually asked for it and or added it to their pull? To be honest, and now is the time to put it on your list, people have asked for it, but they haven't put it on their list. So sometimes, you know, Tuesday nights when I'm putting everybody's files together and everything, I know this person wants it, put it in. This person wants it, put it in. And they appreciate that. Yeah. And I learned that from Steve Odo yeah. because he used to do that a lot to me and I see him do it to the other customers. He's going to like this. He puts it in. You know, it's, it's, it's like that. That's how we keep our, our, I don't know, our customer relationship. You did that to me. So I had a pull list here for a little while when I was experimenting reading the Rebirth books right. monthly. It was a fun experiment. Ultimately, I returned to my uh, reading by trade model. Okay. But I had a good time here during the time when I did have my pull list. And uh, I know there were occasionally books in there that you would put. Uh, at first, I wasn't sure if it was just a mistake or if you if you wanted me to check it out. Right. But yeah, I know that is something that Steve used to do as well. And yeah, I mean that's one of the things that you're able to do in right. this type of environment when you have that community and you talk to people and you know the kind yeah, of stuff yeah. that um, that they're into. Um, but so with Doomsday Clock, yeah. So I mean, you went. That's pretty heavy. Yeah, it's expected this time because people want two two lenticular covers and a regular cover. You know, so I'm taking a chance, but I know it's going to do pretty well. Just like Batman Metal has been doing pretty well. Right. You know, so 
So again, this airs on the twenty second. But are you guys? You guys aren't doing the eleven fifty seven release, are you? No. no. So this is this has become a little bit of a trend recently, right? Where yeah. they've allowed retailers to start selling things at midnight, and in this case, it's technically eleven fifty seven to right. reference the the clock on the book, Doomsday Clock. Right. Um, so do you guys generally not participate in those kind of events? I mean, he Paul is very far away from here, so I don't mind doing it, but uh, he just never called for it, really. So with Doomsday Clock, uh, I mean, not to harp on this, but it is this this big event. I mean, I'm excited for it. Uh, I you know, I, I hope it does well for you guys and for other stores. I mean, yeah. I guess. So if you're not doing the midnight release, are there any other things that you're doing to kind of generate buzz or interest in it? We're just going to have some sales from the watch. We reordered some Watchmen, right? What else are we doing? Some whatever 50% off stuff that'll come that week, you know, that has to relate to Doomsday Clockwork, you know? That's about it, really. Yeah, yeah. We we noticed that. Uh, I guess uh, a comic store's biggest competition is a digital store, like Comixology and other stores like that. And whenever an event comes out, Comixology and another like digital stores happen to have sales of of stuff that ties into that. You know, Batman Superman comes out. You got Batman Superman, Ed McGinnis, and all that stuff on sale. Sure. And so, uh, trying to emulate that a little bit, but it's uh, it's difficult to. Especially when they have cheaper prices on this stuff. So, so speaking of the movies, and I want to jump back to something that you were getting at earlier, Paul. And this is kind of like a, a little bit of a hot button issue, and I, I want to get your take on it. But okay. before we really get into that, let me just say this: Thor Ragnarok recently came out. Right. I went to see it on opening night Thursday, and Mark from All Yeah Comics was set up there at the Alamo Draft House in Yonkers right. with uh, you know a few tables. He had some pops and comics and other toys, things like that. And all yeah is, is typically there at a lot of these superhero you know yes. openings. Uh, is that something that you guys have done or considered doing? We've we've done it before. We've also been offered to go there, but you know, like all yeah comics is there, and also New York Hardcore Comics is there. But you know, if they're already there, I don't. How do you say? I don't want to intrude on them. It's it's okay. I'm I'm okay with it, because you know I I don't want to fight over territory. Right. You know, let them be. That's it. I have no hard feelings or whatever towards it. Let them do what they got to do. You know, good luck with it. That's it. You know, but we have been invited a few times and we just haven't had a chance to do it. Yeah. Because so many things come up sometimes. Yeah, specifically the Alamo and Yonkers, of course. Uh, yes. If you notice, there's a little stand in front of the uh, ticket line where someone draws funny pictures. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, there's a guy named Matthew who's one of our customers. And he's yeah. given us the card of the guy who sets this stuff up. And he's like, I want you guys there because you're my comic store. And I know you guys are like cool and all that. And uh, we've been offered it, of course. But Do they charge you for that space? Or is it like they're inviting you? I actually have no idea. I, I mean, no you're, you're selling stuff there, but I'm not sure. It's yeah. interesting. I'm, not to push the issue, but I'm just curious. Like, if you could coordinate with All Yeah Comics and say, mm-hmm. hey, Mark, you bring pops. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring trade paperbacks or whatever and right. he, if he was like yeah, yeah yeah let's do that would you would would you be interested in that yeah i'd be interested in that yeah I'm just curious i mean it, so it gets at this i do want to circle back to the movie thing but it, mm. it gets at this question and uh as the season winds down i've really been thinking about it like growth opportunities for comic shops because i was talking to you know i had brandon montclair a former alternate realities owner right. and, and now a comic book creator i had him on one of the podcasts and he was saying how you know with alternate realities it got to a point where the only way to grow would have been to open a second store. Right, and right. in another episode I did with Challengers Comics out in Chicago, uh, the, the co-owner there, Patrick, he was saying that, you know, the growth opportunity is in creating new comic book readers. 
Right. Um, and that makes sense to me. And so something like setting up at the Draft House, I guess, could be a way to take someone who hasn't read comics, but they like going to see these Marvel movies right. and getting them interested in comics. But then I was thinking about it. I want to get your, your take on that. But like then I was thinking about it further. And it's like, whose responsibility and this is a big question, but like whose responsibility right. should that be? Like, should it fall on the retailer to have to load up a van and bring stuff and set up at Alamo Draft House? Or should Disney send a representative and have them standing outside and say, like, hey, in addition to making these movies, we also have this Marvel Comics publishing line. Here's a list of the local comic book shops and here's a coupon that you could take into those stores. It's like where I don't know where should it fall? Should it be both? Should it be the retailers? It that's that's a very good question. Should Disney send their people out to, you know, to sponsor things? And I would say yes. Now, through Diamond, we were talking about this, Andrew and I, the other day, and someone had mentioned that the customers who come here for their comics aren't really the customers. It's the retailers that are the customers through Diamond. Yes, that right. And I was like, wow, that's that's... Very uh, a good, uh, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting way thought. of looking at it, right? It is, but if if you want to get back to things, doing things at the Alamo in, in Yonkers or whatnot, or or anywhere else, I mean, yeah, we we can you know collaborate with anybody, whoever wants to you know mix with us. But th there's another thing too that that helps out every retailer, comic shop retailer, and it's you know getting to know one one another the staff, the owners, whoever. It's like, for example, if I don't have a comic here and I sold out, I'll call up New York Hardcore Comics and Dobbs Ferry. Mm -hmm. you know, hey, guys, what's up? And, you know, see if they have it there. And they'll say, yeah, Paul, we have it there. Can you hold it for a customer for me? They're going up there right, right away. Or I'll call um, Modern Myths if I don't have any RPG stuff or whatnot. Same thing. It's a, it's a kind of relationship that we should all have, I think. It's not like my shop is better than yours. You know, it, it's it's not that attitude that you should have. We should be helping each other. Yeah, it, it's an interesting point. And, you know, in these episodes, you know, people have kind of addressed maybe some tension with other stores. But for the most part, right. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly hearing like, oh, like we get along. We like other people. Right. And, you know, I think in some cases that's the case. In other instances, you know, maybe not so much. Maybe there are right. other things going on that they don't necessarily want to talk about. But... You know, I've talked slash joked about <laughs> reopening alternate realities. I don't right. I don't foresee myself actually doing it. But if I did, honestly, like one of the first things that I would do, I think, would be to talk to you, to talk to Mark mm. at Aya and Harrison and these, some of these other stores that you mentioned. And I don't know, talk about ways that the stores can, there's always going to be some element of competition. You're generally carrying the same stuff. But like if yeah. each store is kind of, doing something a little bit distinct, like, oh, yeah, it's really big on kids' stuff, kids' right. books, right? I remember Like, that. that's something that, you know, maybe the new alternate realities, like, would not lean into so heavily. Right. Right? But maybe there's something else they're not doing, and maybe right. that you're not doing, I don't know, that, right. you know, we could focus on. So it's, so I think that coordination, yeah, it makes I'll, sense. I'll give you an example. With Modern Myths, they're more of a gaming, they're more of a gaming store. Right. So, you know... D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, they're all popular here. But then as the years went by, Pathfinder, you know, slowly declined. Uh, you got Dungeons & Dragons that people are still interested in and stuff like that. So, you know, we kind of slowed down with the RPGs and say, hey, 
they have nights there where you could play there. You know, I, I have no 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 animosity, no qualms or anything sending people to Modern Myths to play RPG games. If we're playing it here one night and you're more than welcome to come in, join us. You know, but otherwise that's how I do it. Right. You know? So now the movie, the movie piece Uh-oh. of all of this. Oh, man. So this is changed, and I guess is changing somewhat with Legacy, where Marvel is bringing back... Uh, many of the classic versions of the characters. So, you know, Steve yes. Rogers is back in the Captain America costume and the new Mark Wade uh, run, for example. Right. But for a while now, the quote-unquote classic depictions of these characters, the ones you see in the Marvel movies, have been MIA in the pages of the comics, and they've been replaced by other different younger characters. Right, um, right. You know, Iron Man's been uh, a woman, right, behind under the helmet Reed for a little Williams, while. Right. yes. Things like that. And I know that's caused a bit of controversy. And one thing that I know some retailers have argued is that people are going to see these movies. They're seeing Tony Stark as Iron Man. And then they're coming into the comic book store looking for an Iron Man comic. And they see Riri Williams and not Tony Stark. And they're right. put off by that. Yeah, absolutely. And is correct. that what you've, you've been finding? Yes, we've had a lot of that. 100%, yes. It's so, I, this is why I really, I'm excited to talk to you because in, I've heard a mix of things. Like some retailers have said the movies don't really drive people into the stores. Others, they've seen it a little bit more. So you found that people come in after seeing these movies. People do come in after seeing the movies. Um, for example, they want to learn about Spider-Man, Peter Parker Spider-Man in the movie. And we go about it and we tell them, well, this is the comic. This is the graphic novel. This is the history. Um, it's not exactly like the movie. It's not. That's a totally different Marvel Cinematic Universe, MCU. And they look at you, they're like, yeah, but I learned this and, and that. Isn't this true? Or, you know, and it's the same thing you're saying about Iron Man. It's Riri Williams right now. And it's like, you know, where do you get to take the people who want to get into comics versus the movies? Because all of the movies have been put into, like, you know, into the Marvel Universe as well. And it's, everything has been mixed up. And we suggest the older graphic novels, the older stories. Right. And build upon that. Which is something that was suggested in the most recent episode of my comic shop history at, right. at First Aid Comics, where the owner said, yeah, like if someone comes in and they want a Captain America comic and what's currently on the shelf doesn't feature Steve Rogers, well, we'll, we'll give them a trade paperback. Do you, right. Does that work? Or are that, people still really looking for the singles? Yeah, pe- people, uh, they come in for the singles and then we sell them the graphic novel and normally how we sell them on it is to let them know that most people, when they read a comic for the first time, they don't realize that it ends there. And some people come in asking for a one-shot comic. So when we saw them a trade, we're like, this is a full story. You only have to read this one book, and it continues, but this is a full story, and you can get this. This is the origin of this, or the this is where this guy first appears, or something like that. And, and just like the, the candy dealer comes about, I say, here, you want to try it? Take it on the house. Just try it out. See if you like it or not. Yeah. You know, but the graphic novels are the best for the old stories. <laughs> There's so much I could say about it. But. Yeah, it's like, so, I mean, I don't want to get in any hot water, but I know yeah. that you are, I mean, you are a purist when it comes to these comic book characters. I wouldn't say purist, but more of a tra- traditionalist. traditionalist. Okay, yes. fair enough. So more of a traditionalist. And so we've seen the inclusion of uh, many more diverse characters often yes. in the identity of these classic characters. Right. And, I mean, the argument for each of those things, you know, the argument, I guess, for uh, for increased diversity is there's so many 
different people in the world and they should be able to see themselves right. reflected in the comics. Right. And the argument for putting them in the Iron Man helmet or the Captain America mask is right. that it's so hard to launch any kind of original character that at right. least having the brand name recognition is a way to, to kind of get it off the ground. I mean, where, I mean, where do you fall on that? I mean, we discuss it here. Okay, diversity. It's fine to have the diversity. And I might get it into a little hot water right now. It's fine to have the diversity. But don't do it because it's very trendy to do it right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. You can have diverse characters throughout all the comics, but keep them true to their spirit. I, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but... I, I do agree. Uh, my take on that is I really like Ghost Rider. And uh, I love uh, Danny and Johnny, of course. But I also do like Robbie Reyes. He's a fantastic Ghost Rider, fantastic character. What I don't need is for his book not to feel like a ghostwriter book. And I understand he's from East LA and you know he fights like drug and crime and the book the book's great. I think it's great. But it's the fact that the book doesn't feel like a ghostwriter book. There you know, you can't tell me that in the Marvel universe there's demons running around and this guy is not doing anything about it. And then neither is Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is dealing with his own stuff. It's they lose the element of what makes the book the book. So the fact that in maybe issue three of Riri Williams' run as Iron Man or Ironheart, she there's five consecutive pages of her defeating like characters that have given Spider Man, Iron Man, and other characters whole issue problems. Like she one shot at the Rhino, and I understand he's the Rhino, but he's still an unstoppable force. And she was able to just one shot it for a guy who was able to pick up cars and throw them. And so, uh, what I like to see with these characters, if you want to be diverse, is to give them the equal challenge. Because uh, Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz, the New Green Lanterns, they're diverse. He, he that is a in this world today, that is a Muslim Green Lantern, but he's a fantastic character, and I accept mm -hmm. him as a Green Lantern. If the Anti Monitor came down and just destroyed the universe, and he stopped it, I would not be mad. So but what's if, different about a, a Simon Baz? So what it is is that he feels legitimately like a character that is a person who happens to be Muslim. When you make something about it, like this is the reason we're doing it, right. it's hard because now, I follow the X-Men, of course, I love the X-Men. When I'm reading the original X-Men, I see that the very first panel that uh, Jean Grey appears in, Bobby Drake is the first one saying, look at that fox. And then the guy who changed this, Bendis, and uh, this is something on a mind, of course, but the guy who changed his Bendis in Battle for the Atom, he had a future Bobby come to him with the ice beard. And he said, keep the beard, the ladies love it. And then two issues later, he makes Bobby gay. And I understand, if you're going to do that, do it. And do it right. Because um, the way it was done, Jean Grey in four panels like, Bobby, you're gay. How do you know? I'm a telepath. All right. And the next page, you're fighting somebody. It's just, if you're going to do it, don't be disrespectful. And don't, don't be disrespectful. So Simon Boz and his issue, it was 9-11 that came out. And the Justice League, even though the Justice League, I, I feel, is a little better than the Avengers with this, they kind of uh, went to him and was like, look, you got a Green Lantern, you got a most powerful ring in the world, and we don't know what you're going to do. He goes, are you profiling me? He's like, you're just saying that you're a new guy. We want to know that you're going to be okay. That's how Jordan's ring. And um, he was able to, that book was able to um, sell itself because it didn't disrespect what it was. Right. And um, the, the for, for someone who comes to the store... And, the, and they happen to be gay or they happen to be anything they want. And they open the book and they read it and it's like a slap to the face. 
it, it seems kind of odd. Look at the America Ferrera, you know, the fact that she's over here talking like mi gente, mi gente. She's spoken Spanish all the time. This character of 2008 who hasn't spoke that much Spanish. You put a Spanish person on, you think that's what we want to hear. And it's not. No, that's... Let me, let me jump on to yeah, what yeah, you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Mi gente, mi gente. I'm Spanish origin. I have my heritage there. I don't like that book because of the certain things that they do in that book. Now, if you want to get back to Green Lantern, which is up to number 32 right now, mm-hmm. 33. 33, you have seen within 33 issues so much character development within Simon Boz and Jessica Cruz. Simon Boz no longer has a gun to protect himself because he was so insecure with his ring. He learned Jessica Cruz, she's no longer claustrophobic or has all these anxieties. They grew as characters. They developed within 33 issues. I'm not saying they don't have these same issues. It's still there. But they grew as a character. Even Jessica Cruz went out to get a job now. You know, Simon Boz is is with his family now, with his brother and his sister, and they're getting along now. That's what DC Comics has done. Marvel Comics keeps their characters down sometimes. You know, it's, it's... I can mention so many Marvel characters that they kept at a certain level. They didn't do character development. And, and it's a shame because in this store, it's, it's really a DC store. While Marvel sales have gone down a lot because of a lot of, you know, issues from society. That's how I'll put it. You know? No, it's, you know, it's interesting to get your take on it. And I mean, I guess my takeaway is it's, it's not so much the, the idea of these diverse characters that's offensive, but the execution of it in, in a lot it's of these cases. It's the way it's done. And right. And yeah. if the uh, audience that they're trying to serve feels pandered to, then again, it could backfire and, and not have the intended effect. Yeah. My conversation with Paul and Andrew will return in just a moment. I wanted to take the opportunity to introduce our sponsors, In addition to Spider's Web, which of course is this week's featured store, my immense thanks to Zap Comics. With locations in Wayne and Manalapan, New Jersey, Zap is your place for new and old comics, action figures, supplies, and much more. Zap is always buying. It is home to one of the most robust and impressive back-issue operations I've encountered. If you're looking to unload your old books or build up your collection, go see Zap. Aw Yeah Comics, my local shop. Located in beautiful downtown Harrison, New York, it's a terrific family-friendly store with a dedicated kids section, arcade, and more. Aw Yeah recently put out a call for collections, so if you're looking to unload any of your old comics in exchange for store credit, bring them down to Mark Hammond at Aw Yeah, and be sure to tell him that Desi Westside sent you. Alternate Reality Comics has been finding great homes for comics and graphic novels for 22 years in the greater Las Vegas metropolitan area. Their goal is to find your new favorite comic or graphic novel in whatever genre of storytelling you are looking for. Store owner Ralph says, Thanks to the customers, creators, and publishers for making my store a happy, fun place for these past 22 years. This is a labor of love that we love to share with new and old fans of sequential art. Stonegate Wine and Spirits, owned and operated by former alternate reality's friend of the store, Pat Boland. Stonegate is located in Valhalla, New York, and is open the latest in the county. Pat is incredibly friendly, knowledgeable, and enthusiastic about wine and spirits, and I'm sure he'll be happy to give you some great recommendations this holiday season. And now, back to the show. 
so now you said Marvel sales have, have gone down. Uh, again, I know we're still kind of in the early days of Legacy, but have you mm-hmm. seen any kind of turnaround with the return of these classic versions of the characters? Well, like I do when I'm doing the um, your files, the subscriber files, I'll put it in there. Let them try it out. It's a new number. You need a new code for that to be put onto your subscription series. But um, Legacy, it's been going A-OK. It's okay. The other stuff from Marvel, not so well. I mean, the best sellers here are Star Wars and Amazing Spider-Man and X-Men. Yeah. You know, other, uh, all the other titles have declined. And it's various, you know, issues that people say that they don't want to pick it up anymore. It's no longer the Marvel that I know. It's the writing. It's the artist. It's, it's a lot. And... and We've had customers come in here and say there's been so much politics in Marvel Comics now that they won't pick it up. For a store that's called the Spider's Web, and you can see clearly that both of our characters, both me and him, our favorite character is Spider-Man. And out the front, you got Spider-Man fighting Venom out there. It's a DC store. When I'm pulling these books, I spend my entire time in front of the DC section. I grab the Marvel ones, and then I go to Independent, but I spend my whole time in front of the DC section. And we have maybe, how many customers do we have? We have over 200 customers. Over 200 customers, and we have three guys who like to make theirs Marvel. Brian Claudio is one of them, former <laughs> yes. Alternate yes. Realities customer. Of yeah. course. And, and, and you, that we could do about it. We, uh, we can try to sell you as much as we can, but I, sometimes I'll feel bad, and I, I don't mean to be so blunt about it, but I don't want to sell them garbage. I don't want to hear them like, oh, I read this, it wasn't that good, but now I feel bad that I took three ninety nine from someone. Who doesn't want to read that, you know? I had this one customer one time. You know, uh, I don't want to mention no names. But he comes in, you know, he gets his DC. He's strictly DC. He does Marvel sometimes. And he asked me about a specific Marvel title. And I said, no, you don't, you don't want to touch that. It's, it's, it's not up to par. You wouldn't like it. And he goes to me, you know, as a retailer, you should be selling me this. And I tell him, because he's been here for, for a couple of years already, and I tell him, I don't want to sell you garbage, something that you're not going to like. You know, I yeah. want you to enjoy it. And it, that always stuck in my head. That was a couple of months ago, too. You know, yeah. That, it, yeah, it's a funny thing, right? You are in the business of selling comics. Right. But at the same time, and I think this is one of the things that has always interested me about the comic book shop as an institution. It's mm. like for the most part, the people behind the counter, like you're fans of this yourself. Right. And so you have that intersection of fandom and commerce and it's like, right. yeah, you want to make a sale, but you're also a fan of this. And right. again, going back to what we were talking about with the community, you have cultivated these bonds with people and you don't right. really want to steer them wrong. And honestly, if you sell somebody a book that you know they're not going to like and they take your recommendation and then they're right. displeased with it, that could cost you future sales or of even the course. customer altogether. So there's that fine line. I mean, do you find that you, you got that from Steve at all? Because he's always one, especially with like incentive covers, like he he would discourage people from buying stuff. No, I think it's just me because some of the customers that I, a majority of the customers that come in, I know what they like. Yeah. You know, and, and in the back of my mind, I tell myself, I'll make it up another way. It's okay. They don't buy it. I can sell something else, you know? I'm not worried about it. I make it up another way. I just try to be honest. Yeah. You know, if, if you have an honest policy here and then there's, there's this kind of trust with your customers, you know, it's, it's like me Tuesday nights putting extra stuff in people's file. And they like that. Oh, thank you because I didn't put it on my list and I really, really wanted this. 
you know? Like this week, there was a customer. I had put Dead Man number one in their, their list, their, their file. And they were like, you know what, Paul? I don't want this because I know who wrote it. I knew who drew it. And I just don't want to do it. Hey, you don't have to take it. It's okay, you know? But, you know, we go through a lot of customers like that. It ends up being a lot of collector versus reader stuff. It's, it's uh, you know, readers yeah. come in, they, they get uh, the books they want to read, and the, the, we're willing to try stuff. When you're just collecting, and you don't want to touch anything. I mean, the incentive covers, you'll buy the yeah. incentive covers, but it's, uh, it's, it's weird to tell who those people are until you know them. Yeah, it's, um, again, that, that's come up, and I think that the distinction between reader and collector exists, and it's an important one, and for a store to really thrive, you probably need both, right? Like, you need those hardcore collectors who are going right. to follow everything as kind of your, maybe your baseline, your starting point, but then you do need those readers and people who are going to come to signings and book clubs and events right. and things like that. Those, you know, the, the community, the larger community. Right. Right? No, yeah, you're absolutely right. We need both types of customers. But sometimes one outweighs the other, too. Yeah. You know, so I try to please everybody. That's what I try to do. Well, as far as the whole uh, movie debate and the, well, not so much the movie <laughs> debate, but the, uh, their, the way they're reflected or not reflected in the comics, I, you know, I appreciate you guys speaking about it. I know, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a hot button topic and I know people feel very passionately about this. I mean, I, going back to the, you know, the fan aspect of this, right. I mean, I know people feel very strong and they have very deep connections yeah. to these characters and it's, you want, you, know, you want all kinds of people to be reflected in books. You want characters and properties to move forward and change. You don't want it to be stagnant, but there's always a line. And you know, I did a whole podcast on this in the second season where we talked about changes to characters. And it's like, I guess where I fall on this is there is a certain line at which point you've strayed too far from the core of the character. And I don't know where that line is for each character, and right. it's going to be different. And my line might be different than your line. Like right. for Spider-Man, our line is probably different. Because I like Spider-Man, but I don't have a store called the Spider's Web. Right, like, right. But my line for Superman is probably different than your. So, you right. know, it's different for each person. And, uh, you know, I appreciate getting your, your take on it. But you're right. The change does come about. I mean, I accept change. I'm a traditionalist. But like you say, keep it with the core, the core spirit of the characters or whatever you're doing. Keep it like that. So the topic of customers has come up a couple of times in our mm -hmm. conversation here. And that was such a big part of my time behind the counter. And we talked about it in the first season of the podcast. We had nicknames for a lot of people. We liked a lot of people a lot. Right. There were other people. We wouldn't have been sad if they never came back again. Right. Uh, <laughs> I guess anything about the customers generally or specifically that you, you'd like to share? What kind of, I mean, we've touched on the relationship that you have with them, but uh, anything else that you would like to share? I'm going to tell you, all of these customers are characters. They all have their own, own way of reading, thinking, whatever, you know, but they are fun to be with. I mean, there are some of them that, you know, it's like he said, they think their comics are food. You know, I have some customers who come in and a new comic came out Wednesday morning and they go through each issue to get the 9.9 .9 or the 10.0. And, and I, I tell them, you're not going to get a 9.9 .9 or 10.0. Yeah, we had our infamous customer who would come in on Sundays and he would spend literally, I mean, literally the entire mm -hmm. Sunday combing through every book on the shelf, picking out the perfect copy. Yeah, that's crazy. He disappeared after a while. Mm -hmm. Yet he kept emailing Steve orders, but 
but he was gone for so long. And Steve told him, like, I, you know, I've canceled your, your but he just right. kept sending orders. It got to the point, and I hope this doesn't sound mean, but we, we thought he might have been, like, committed to an asylum or something. Maybe. Because it was just, like, there was such a disconnect between, you know, what had been communicated to him and right. what, you know, the fact that he was still submitting orders. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that was an extreme case. It's crazy. We, we get some people who come in with their, their phones or whatnot. What are they looking up? Invest Comics. Oh yeah, you know, whatever Hot Book was on this hot week. Hot Books and, this week, and uh, we, we we got some some people who uh who only come here for that. Like I'm not even sure if they're reading these comics. So I'll talk about it, and they're like, "Yeah, it was good." I was like, All right. "Interesting." Do they come in when there's like a big issue that's out, or is it just like a regular that's Wednesday, a regular weekly thing? That's so weird. Weekly thing. Yeah. They come in, they get the phone, they're looking up stuff, and they'll ask if we have this. Oh, we didn't get that in. We didn't think it'd be you know it would sell here. Like some very independent book that they only published two thousand of. I, was like, I don't know what this is gonna do. I can't trust you. You only published two thousand of these. But it's uh, we got we got this guy, you know, this guy Jack who comes in. He's like, hey, yo, guys. He's a, he's a very Jack ca- is funny, Jackie though. baby. You call him Jackie baby, and he's good. Yeah. And, and and even if he, it, out of perspective of selling him comics, I'd even look at selling him comics. I just like that he's there. I like yeah, that he he's came a fun into character. That. You know, he's good. Hey, you guys, what's going on? <laughs> you know, he, he has the. Uh... Yeah, I, you know, I genuinely miss it. I, like I said, there were some customers who, you know, c- could kind of get on your nerves, but there were customers like you, Paul, who would come in every Wednesday, and it's like right. we looked forward to seeing you. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, it's like I miss, I do miss having that. So I know you have your regulars who. <laughs> yeah, you know, come we in. do. Yeah, yeah it's gonna... it's fun. You know, they stop by, they talk to us. You know that. There's a police officer that comes in, very cool person, you know, throws some extra stuff in his bag. He's happy, gets his graphic novels, he'll talk with us. Yeah, yeah. Right? His we, partner's there, happy. You know, we're cool with these people. We, we got to give a shout out to, to Rich Keen, who, who's Rich a customer Keen. who comes in, and it's almost like a professor came in of comics, and, he, and I learn something every time he comes in. He He's he's a good customer who knows his, his comic book history. Hmm. And, you know, he'll say, oh, this is great from the days of the 70s, you know, Neil Adams, whatever. You know, he's really good. And another one who has good stories is uh, a shout out to Tim Healy. Tim Healy, yeah. Tim is like a wizard. He's another wizard of this. He knows the history of all the comic book publishers and and the comic cons. And he tells us all his old stories, which is very entertaining. And it's fun. That is that's the best part of this. Yeah, I really think it, it is. is. Yeah. So, you know, one of the reasons, in addition to actually liking you on a personal level, the other reason we oh, were always you. happy when you came in is that you, you paid cash and you bought a lot of stuff and we knew we were going to yeah. get paid. You were going to get paid. Who, I paid the light bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, who's who's the uh, the Paul Barrero of <laughs> the wow. Spider's Web customers? There's a couple of them. I don't know about cash, but there's a guy named Michael Capolino. Yes. Who comes yeah, in. Former, and, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Former he's AR customer. Comics, man. He's but he's up. another good one who tells us the good stories, too. Yeah, he's really passionate yeah. and well-versed, and, and he reads a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll, right. t- I'll be up there talking to him for like a half hour sometimes. He's hour good. Sometimes. He's an interesting character. Very good people. Yeah, I know. And so, yeah. you know, the times that I've been here uh, either just stopping by or when I had my pull list or when you very graciously let me do my Kickstarter launch event here, which right, I right. thank you very much You're for. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, it's always cool to bump into people, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. the ones that I haven't seen because I'm in touch with some. Uh, right. Either in person or Facebook or whatever, but then there are some I haven't seen. There are some I hate to say it, I don't know their names, right? But right. I certainly recognize them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but it's a lot of fun. It, it gives you the satisfaction that I, I don't know how to explain it. That you're making people hip, happy. Yeah, 
You know, you, you're doing a nice service for them, and you're making people happy, which is really cool. And over 200 reservists, you said, Yes, right? over 200 subscribers, yes. That's really so. I mean, that's roughly where we were at Alternate Realities. Right, right. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, more than pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know, Customer fun. nicknames? Are, do you? Well, first let me say, do you have them? <laughs> oh, yeah, because there, there are people who come here where I, I know their mm. names because I'm pulling their bag out of it, but I'm not going to say your name. I will, I'll kick it off, and then if you want to share any of yours, you're welcome to, and if not, that's perfectly fine. I know I've told the story before, but I love it. There was a young a young gentleman who used to come into the store. He must have been, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, and he would ask for the comics so breathlessly. Like, he was excited, like, it was truly excitement, but he would ask about them so breathless. Kind of going back to how you said some people treat them like food, like they need to have them. Of course. We kind of took it to the next level. We called him comic eater. You know, the joke was like he left the store and he just ate them. <laughs> so he was comic. We had a we had a bunch. Um, you know, I, for the most part, they were all pretty, uh, they were good natured. It was more just funny bits like that or cases where you just didn't know the person's name. And, you know, right. it's a weird thing because at a certain point, it's like if too much time has passed, you might feel a little awkward asking their name. So you right, refer right. to them by these nicknames. So we had comic eater and nickelback and headphones and beard face. We had all kinds of nicknames. Uh, are there any are there any that you guys are oh, uh the one that comes to mind to is uh Woody, the Woodman, the Woodster, the, the Woody, Woody Woodwer. <laughs> it's Woody the Woodman the Woodster. And here's somebody comes in and he I know he enjoys he smiles on his face every time he says it, but He's Paul cool. come Paul announces him when he comes in, it's hilarious. It's I don't know the Woodman. I, I don't know if I want to know the origin of that. Oh, his last name is Wood. Yeah, his oh, last okay. name Fair is enough. Woody. And, and then just, there's there's a person whose first name is Woody. Uh, he's cool people too, all DC. So I call him the Woodman too. You know, he's really good. Yeah, yeah. Then there's these other people too that uh, you know about, but I won't mention no names. You know, um, how about this one? Remember when we got that pizza pie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, so sometimes we'll just call him Pizza Guy. That's it. Yeah, he it, missed. We missed a book one time. It, there weren't enough. And they went ranting and raving. I was like, oh, man, let me give you my copy instead. Wow. I can get it another time. If not, I'll get over it. The next day, there was a pizza pie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think we became good friends. It was, it was good. I but think we did. He's, he's cool. I, We're cool, though. It was very oh, odd. It was an odd in, uh, situation. Well, but, I guess that's yeah. good if you could take something that could have you know been awkward or detrimental to the relationship and yeah. you know turn it yeah. into a positive no i mean if you could fix the problem just fix it you know i could get another comic book another time you know we, we have another guy who uh we just added him to the system but for the longest time we didn't know his name we just called him frankenstein because you only wanted frankenstein <laughs> oh, comics for real yeah he only wants frankenstein comics and that's it yeah. and which is which is you have a preference that's great but uh what he never like was shy on it either if we said oh this is frankenstein he bought it. It's all right. <laughs> we finally knew his name. Finally now. knew his name. <laughs> Woody and Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Pizza yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, pizza guy. Any weird or dumb? I'm, oh, I mean, I'm sure man. the answer is yes. I think the bigger question is, you know, can you can you single any out or do they all blur together? I, but like I, any weird or annoying oh, or dumb just, questions? I, I'm thinking of the same one Paul's thinking. Of, I just want to say it out, but no, I don't know. I, I don't want to say their name, but there, there's yeah. this, this duo, which I don't even say it's a duo because it's, it's it's a you know father son thing, but it's really those the dad. They were customers at Alternate Reality, yeah, so you I, know, I know who you're talking about. I know the, the listeners, most of them don't, but uh, they former AR customers who now go here. And you know what? The kid, the kid I could talk to him for hours. I, he's a little energetic, but that's fine. But uh, <laughs> the, the, the dad makes everything sexual, man. 
everything is sexual with this guy. And uh, oh god, it's cr- a lot of just a lot of inappropriate comments about female yeah. characters, uh-huh. whether depicted on the page or in a statue or something like that. It's just like inappropriate, like, yeah, you're right, creepy comments. Yeah, yeah. And he also treats comics not like food, but like medication. Sometimes he's sitting there like, I didn't get that. I didn't get this. Like, hey, well, we got you. We got you. And then when you throw some extra stuff in there, he's like, I didn't want this. I didn't order this. Oh, well, I'm going to try it anyway. You know, look, <laughs> It's like a drug. <laughs> I, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely know who you're talking about. It's, <laughs> it's a tough thing with, with customers, right? Because and It is. I, you know, I've been this customer, not that customer, but I've been the type of customer much earlier in my comic reading career where I didn't have people to talk to about comics. And so, right. and I know there are plenty of people who come to a store and that might be, and this, you know, people have mentioned this in the episodes, like that might be their only opportunity to yeah, right. share this passion with other people. Um, so you, you know, you want to nurture that and you want to try to be patient and understanding, but then, you know, there's always a limit. Yeah. There's yeah. always a limit. There's I, that line again, right? Yes. Like, you know. As Paul could tell you, I have phenomenal patience. He does. I'll, he really does. I'll be up there talking to people for half of the day. You seem like a, like a very, I mean, we know each other well, not super well, but you always seem like a very good natured, <laughs> even keeled person. I, I'll, I'll make anyone happy. Man. And, and I just, I, I'll talk to you. I could talk for hours about anything because I, I, I love to entertain talking to people and, and uh, learning things from people. You can learn anything. No conversation is dumb. And and you can learn anything from yeah, anybody. I mean, but you'll have a, a destitute person come in, you know, just looking around or whatever, whatever. And he'll just start up a conversation with them. You know, remember there's this one weird dude who just come in and stare? Yeah, it, it was <laughs> really odd. Yeah, yes. yeah. And one time I actually removed all the chairs so he couldn't sit with me and he knelt down next to me. He was kneeling on his knees and he was talking to me. And I was, that's very awkward. That's very, very, very you odd. Know? But uh, I was like, this guy has nowhere to go, man. This guy's it's, it's, it's a comic book store. It's supposed to be a comfortable, cool place. Yeah, and, but still, still, you know, it's, yeah, we've had a couple of characters, though. So one thing I want to ask you, Paul, is, uh, you know, I know when you were opening your store, I know you spoke to Steve. He offered some advice. Right. I think the initial advice he gave uh, much earlier was don't do it. That's correct, yes. Which is the same thing he says to anybody who wants to go to law school. Right. You know, don't open your own store. Now that you've been doing this a few years, have you had people ask you, like, about opening their own store? And what did, what response do you have? Or if it hasn't come up, what did, like what advice would you give to someone who's like, hey, I want to open up a store? I've had two or three people come up to me and ask me that how do they proceed in doing this? And I don't dissuade them or anything. I tell them the truth. This is a weekly business, and it takes a lot of resources for you to go forward with this. And it's a big, big learning experience to open up a shop like this. It really is. I don't discourage them. Hey, it's your dream. Go for it. You know, I put my passions to work. That's how I came up with this. Yeah. It's, you know? it's, uh, it's fortunate enough that Paul has other resources. But when I went on behalf of the Spider's Web to the Marvel event in New York Comic Con, there was a guy who, who, in his voice, you could tell in his voice he was scared that uh, with the orders of 200% over to get the lenticular covers, he'll do that for his customers, but then he's stuck with these books, and he goes, I don't think I can make it next month. And this guy was very worried about his store. And it's, uh, it, and you know, every, all the retailers that he clapped, and, you know, we were all looking at him, like, not, not sad, but we were, like, uh, empathetic. He's right. With him that it's, he's it's, correct. To, oh, to have this store and to, to, to try to please people, because this is really just an entertainment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's entertainment business, and uh, this is—it's yeah. a weekly business. It's not hundreds of dollars you're paying weekly. It's thousands of dollars weekly. Yeah. No, I mean the, the financial realities of this can be very dire, and if you yeah. don't have other business or you don't have 
a spouse who works and has health right. coverage and all that. Like it can, I mean, it can be very challenging. It is. It's very, very challenging. It's, you know. But and with those uh, lenticular covers in particular. So this has been addressed on the show. So, you know, we don't need to get crazy with it. Right. But I do want to bring it up because I know you, you made a statement on Facebook. I did. About it. And, you know, I think most people listening to this are probably aware, but there are these incentive cover schemes and you need right. to order X percentage more right. uh, of based on a previous issue, either right. that series or another series, in order to qualify to be able to order these variant covers. Correct. And just as a quick recap, you know, I guess the argument is if you have these variant covers, you can sell them for more, you can make up for the additional copies they need to order, but the flip of that is- That's not right. You, right, and I want to get your take, but so it's like you don't know if you're going to be able to sell those variants and those other copies that you order, like you're just stuck with them right. and they can become overstock. So what, what can you give me your, your take on Well, it? if you want to order those lenticular covers from Marvel, you have to do 150 to 200% over what you ordered a month before, depending on the titles. Right. If I want, all for example, right now, Miss Marvel, all I'm getting is maybe 10, 15 copies of that. So I would have to double my order under Miss Marvel in order to get those lenticular covers. No, I'm going to be stuck with all that. And I'm not really going to jack up all the prices just so I could sell them and try to get money back. That's not right. That's, that's not right, you know. You look at DC and you want lenticular covers from DC, you can order all you want. Right. You know, it's it's no no incentives, no nothing, not that. All out, just order what you want. And I'm happy with that. I know. Because at least they'll take them back. Marvel won't take them back. And I'm stuck with them. And what am I going to do? Put them in a dollar box or give them out free again and lose money again? I have to stop doing all that. So I know you made, you know, you put a post up on Facebook addressing this. Right. And if you don't mind refreshing my memory, I mean, is, is your position, you'll get the ones you can, but you won't really make the effort for it? Or are you flat out? not ordering them I'm not ordering them out of principle as well it's yeah. just not right that you can get lenticular covers from other comic book publishers for free without any you know whatever you have to do 150 to 200 percent I mean if you want to get a retailer cover from for example IDW order 10 copies you get a free retailer copy incentive cover that's pretty cool right Sure. I don't have to do 200% over my order. And plus, when you order 10 copies and you get that retailer incentive cover and they haven't sold, you can send them back to IDW. Not with Marvel. You know, so I just don't find it correct. I, I, I just don't. And, and speaking on it earlier, how we, we said that, you know, where are the customers to them and not the actual customers. Right. It seems a sort of a... Very slap in the face to to people who ran it before, like people like Jim Shooter who who, who had who had a standard for what their comics were, that I have to, or we have to, it's a privilege for us to get at these lenticular covers, right. and you no, know, you're nothing without the comic book store. So it's a privilege to sell your comics to us. That's it's right. a privilege to the fact that we we want a hundred. Thank you for ordering a hundred. That's it. And, and the fact that we have to qualify. That doesn't sound right at all. It seems no, it's it's not ridiculous. right. And plus, over the last couple of days, online rumors, you hear all these Marvel lenticular covers are not up to par. They're on cheap paper. As opposed to DC having good paper and crazier, Valiant, almost all their comics are cardstock. Right. Like they have this, right. to collect those books, they feel great in your hand. You feel like you're reading a book. And then look at all the price changes of the covers. $3.99, $2.99. You get cheap paper, you're paying three, four ninety nine. 
You get good cardstock paper, you're paying two ninety nine. There's a problem there, isn't there? Right. And then to get into one event to to un, to, uh, to start a new book or to start a new event, I have to pay four ninety nine and then three ninety nine later. Nah. It's just, it's ridiculous. When you put that message up, what sort of response did you get, either online or in person? Because it seemed to be pretty supportive. Everybody was supportive of that. They really were, and and I'm very thankful and grateful that everybody was supportive of that. You know, because honestly, without the customers, the Spiders Web wouldn't be here. So you know they. They were satisfied with my comments, That's and I'm, I'm glad for that. I, I, in the four and a half years that we've been here, I have learned to protect the business. I can't waste money like that, and it's going to be sitting on the shelf. You know, like the statues or whatever, or the action figures. I can't let them sit there for months at a time because that's just money just sitting there. So is, would it be fair to say that's been you know, one of the biggest shifts in how you run the business is being more selective? Yes, it has, and it it, it helped. It ha- has helped a lot. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, one thing that's come up is in these episodes is you know you have to be responsive to the needs of your market. Like there are right. certain things that are universal, I think, but then there, you know, each store's customer base is going to be a little bit different it's and different. be into something else. So yeah, being able to respond to that right is important. And so I, with, yeah. with that in mind, like cut down some of the Marvel graphic novels or, or single issues itself that can go into the DC section now or the Valiant section. And I can bump up those numbers. And, you know, people will buy them. Like I could get all those um, doomsday clock. Right. You know? But yeah, I've learned to protect the business. That's what it's about. If I want to stay open and the customers want to support me, I have to protect it. Yeah. You know? Because people, they, they come and they say, we don't want to see you go, right? We don't want to see you of go. Of course, of course. You know, we love it here. No, we're going to support you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know? Yeah. That's great. And I mean, you know, for people who are listening to this who have a local comic shop or or even if you don't, but, you know, really, I think two of the biggest and best things that you can do to support your local comic shop is talk to them, tell them what you want and what you don't want. If you have something on your list and you don't want it anymore, like let them know so they'll stop ordering it for you. If you want to add something, let them know that too so they can account for that and, and, and have it for you and for other customers. And, you know, when you do order something... Pick it up. Pick it up. <laughs> there we of course, of course. Would you like to talk about that one? Huh? Oh, yeah. There, there are a lot of people who who order something and uh, they don't pick it up. And we'll give them a call. And sometimes that number's even changed. And uh, we'll leave a message. No call back. We'll have new customers who set up subscription lists. And they'll, they'll order books. They'll order a lot of stuff from this collector's point of view. And me and Paul are talking about it, how you ate with your eyes. And you... you didn't realize that you wanted to read comics, but how ri- ridiculous it can be, and how you ha- they want you to read a bunch of stuff. And so people come in, and then we have a subscription list for maybe two months, and we'll never hear from them again. Yeah. Then we have to close the file and see what we do with all the issues that are st- uh, stuck with. And I, I don't yeah. remember his name, but since the, the man you spoke about who um, had the list and how much it cost for somebody to list, no, yeah, yeah. ever since that, we had like what a, th- a three week minimum now. It's like three, three weeks, weeks minimum. You gotta that's go. It. Sorry. That's yeah, that good. was on Facebook. Uh, one oh, the, of the, the comic pa- book shops yeah, that the you visited, Packrat Comics. Yeah, yes, 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 in Ohio. Yes. We learned from that too. You yeah. know, it's still a learning experience for us. It really is. I guess where I would go next with that is, you know, we have addressed a lot of the challenges. We've talked right. about some of the rewards too, in terms right. of the personal relationships. But you know, not to not to make this just like, oh, these are the things that are frustrating us. But like, I guess the flip of that 
and and this is a question that I've had is like where are the opportunities for growth for comic shops in general and for you in particular? So, I mean, mm. is it a second store? Is it expanding uh, the types of things that you carry? Although we've touched on you know why it might not make sense to carry some of those things. But, uh, you know, whether it's the second store carrying different things, you know, more of a presence at conventions, more creator signings. I mean, like we're setting up at a movie theater. It's like, where where do you see the growth for Spider's Web? Well, to bring in newer merchandise. We were talking about bringing in T-shirts and sweaters now. You know, things that are sold at, what, Spencer's and what's the other one? Um, Hot Topic. Hot Topic, things that they have. We have been asked about it. We have been asked about a lot about T-shirts and, you know, other apparel. So we were thinking of doing that. You know, will it do well? We're just going to have to see. You know, conventions? Yeah, we'll do local conventions because I wouldn't do New York Comic Con. That's crazy. That one's really crazy. Um, yeah, hooking up with the Alamo and Yonkers. That would be nice. Yeah, you know, what else could we do? I mean, second store. I mean, is that something that you're, you're interested in? I, I, I am interested in it, but not at this time. Yeah. Not at this time, because I don't know if this pop culture has reached a plateau already with all, you know, the pop culture stuff, the cosplay, the pop, the pops, the movies. Has it reached a plateau where people are getting tired of this? You know, I, I opened uh, 2013, 2013, 2012, something like that, and... I got the good base because it was very popular at this time. Everybody was getting into it. Everybody wants to become a geek or a nerd or, or whatnot. But I really have to think about if we really reached a plateau of this type of pop culture, you know, because digital, digital really hasn't affected me anyway. That's what I've been hearing for pretty you much. Know, it, it really hasn't affected me. Um, but there's, you know, other things too. I do think that we could do more conventions. I'm here mostly, mm-hmm. and maybe he can't do it all the time, but I'm more willing to be at the conventions. We did mm-hmm. a Mount Vernon Comic-Con in the library over there, and we donated some comics over there, but I, I just I stood there, he stood here. I'm more willing to do it. It's just we had um, our first experience at the Underscore Realm Con. Yeah. And uh, we got we got the, uh, the idea of how that business works in the con world. Yeah. It's very... Uh, very, I, I, I can't name his name because I don't know who he is, but you know we had some people who bought some stuff from us before the con started, and then they sell it the next day at their booth. You know, it's really it, yeah. You yeah. Ne- you never know, and we didn't know. And it was a successful Comic Con for us, but they bought some stuff from us. Rare, I wouldn't say rare stuff, but key issues, very good key issues. And the next day, the next morning, it was in their their booth, and there were two people who did that. I was like, "Wow, man!" Tell me, kind of tell me off, Michael. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I went to I your, like, wow. I went to your Comic Con, and I saw this guy, and uh, he, his wife uh, took care of me because I was asking her a question, but he, he recognized me, looked at me, and he just turned back around. It's like, wow. The yeah, the convention side of this business is is yeah. a whole other beast, and uh, I don't know, maybe something that you might hear about next season on the podcast. We'll have to see. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it's room for growth, but it's it's difficult. It is. Yeah. Andrew, one question I had for you and not not to pit you not to pit you against Paul or anything <gasps> like that. But are there any things that you I mean I actually you've kind of hit on things like that you'd be willing to go to more conventions or willing to do more midnight releases and things like that. But whether it's those things in particular or anything else, are there initiatives, anything that you want to implement that you haven't had the opportunity to yet either because of time or 
where maybe Paul is is not as into it. So I I I wasn't a customer of Ultimate Realities like that, but I did stop there for you guys had Hero Clicks and all that and, and and comics before this place opened up, and I wasn't going to travel to Midtown. Uh, I used to get comics, and so I understand how Steve was. I understand how Paul might be blending into how Steve was, but I'm uh, <laughs> uh, just a little bit. But like I said, I have phenomenal patience. I'm a little more uh, lenient with some customers, and I'm a little more uh, forgiving, I guess. So I would, uh, I would like to get uh, couches or like like some seats and like a, like a coffee maker, where you can make your own coffee, or whatever, and, and just to have make the vibe a little more. You can be here and be comfortable, and uh, that makes it more so. When you come to the comic book store, you're not just you're not just sitting here and we're not just like, hey, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. And and if you want to sit down and read a comic and or you bought it and you want to sit there and read it, because I, I think sometimes comic reading as well now because I work in a comic book place, a little bit like homework, where sure I could read it here, but when I go home, there's too many things going on. So maybe that's the one thing I maybe I guess what I like to do. Now, when I first opened the store, that was my big general idea to have. A couch in the front and a coffee maker in the front as well and make everybody welcome. As time went on, you saw what was going on with some people. Mm-hmm. And it was a certain crowd, I would say, that just sat there and read and didn't buy anything. Yes. And played sat there and didn't buy anything and they abused that privilege i think so so now it comes this difficult thing where you're not going to buy a wooden table if you have termites don't buy a couch you got couch potatoes hello yes it's, it's, it's very odd but. so would i like to do that i would love to do that but that is just one of my fears that they'll just sit there and sit there and sit there you know what I mean? And not interact with us, not buy things, just watch TV or just drink the coffee all day. That's my fear. Okay, it's a fear of anything. You know, it's, you know, you'd have to put up more, not a library signs, and you got to buy something signs, I guess. But I mean, I don't, I don't mind if you sit on the floor if you're a kid to read comics. I don't mind that. But now if you're coming out of college and stuff and you're just picking up each issue, sitting there reading pick up the next issue and read again come on supporters man no yeah that, that, that. and that was one specific you know? person that was very weird we were like, that was very weird i was like what are you doing she, you know she bought something sure but it was uh yeah it took her a couple of weeks to buy something yeah it's you know i mean that's an interesting idea and it's like and i've seen stuff like that at other stores and whether it's a couch and, and the coffee maker or mm-hmm. it's uh more events and things like that it's like yeah I guess the question that I continue to have is like, is that directly translating into sales? And if it's not, is that that doesn't necessarily mean it's not worthwhile. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it just goes to that overall culture that you're, you know, you're creating in the store and, right. and it's it's a net positive. But it's like, yeah, you still want to see that direct yeah, tangible mean, benefit. Don't get us wrong because people come here and hang out right. all day and want to play games with us, watch TV, have snacks with us. But they'll pick up their comics, though. Yeah. Or they'll buy a dollar soda. You, you understand what yeah, I mean? I mean yeah, it's no, it's I something you. like that. 
Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, Andrew's saying that you're you're seeing uh, some shades of Steve Odo in, in Paul. You know, it's yeah. As listeners of the first season of this podcast are, are well aware. I mean, there were things that we wanted to see Steve do with the store, um, but uh, yeah, in his defense, I suppose. He felt the way he did for a reason. I mean, there are certain realities about this business, whether it's, again, more, you know, running the business piece of it, but just dealing with people. And it, you can get a bit beaten down and disillusioned. I'll give I'm not you a saying story. that you are necessarily, no, no. but it's like it can happen. I'll give you a story. When we first opened up and we used to have game night here Friday, Saturdays at nights, it just got so ridiculous that. They would bring their kids, little babies, waiting for the baby mama or whoever else to pick them up, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, running around all over the place, not destroying things, but getting into things that they're not supposed to, and you're not attending to your children. It got tiring. I know Steve Odo felt he was a babysitter sometimes. No, it's 12 midnight, one o'clock in the morning, playing games. Come on, no. Yeah, we it's, you know we would stay here for you to do so, and um, like we spoke like we spoke about earlier, we're very big on like community and people being like just you know, cool people and relaxing here. But then we often did match gathering tournaments and we tried some Pokemon stuff. We did some stuff, but the, the community in Yu Gi Oh, mm-hmm. which um, the community gets bad, and the community takes advantage of the store to the point where we no longer sell Yu Gi Oh because of that community. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's it's uh, hard to want to do things for people <clears throat> when. Anyone who play, I don't want to, you know, generalize anybody, but people, most people who play Magic are not like idiots. Most people who play Magic are like people who like to enjoy playing a game. But it's uh, every community has a bunch of people that are ridiculous. But there are stuff that's not allowed in the store anymore because overall the community generally sucks. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's like a locust, locust that came and swarmed in and, and and ate everything, and then they go. That's how I. That's how I felt. You know, I'm looking out after your kids while you're playing a game. What, I'm charging you $5 a head? Not even like $15, $20? I'm giving you great prizes, and you're going to complain about the prizes as well? No. Well. 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's been great speaking with both of you. Uh, is there anything Thank else you. that either of you wanted to share? Anything that we didn't get to or that you wanted to, to say? We didn't mean to be so negative with it, of course. Nah, but it's, it's our experience. If, if you're listening and you enjoy comic books, we, we want you to stop nah. by the Spider's Web. We're, just, we're not like this every day. It's just, I guess we got it our, out of our system right now. I you know? found, and I think guests would agree, that this this can be cathartic, this process. Yeah, it's like therapy, yeah. Therapy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it's been great speaking with you. I'm, you know, I'm so yeah. glad that Spider's Web is here, going into its fifth year. I hope yes, to, yes. you know, to yes. be able to do this with you again. Hopefully, not uh, in another yeah. two years. Hopefully, we can do it sooner than that. That'd be great. But yeah, it, it's it's still fun here. It really yeah, I is. Guess still that's fun. my last question. Yeah, is is this still something that you enjoy? Yeah, I, I do. And I something st- that you still consider worthwhile? I do. I still get all my comics weekly myself. Uh, it's like a kid opening, you know, presents every Tuesday. You know, it's, it's it's still fun for me. I have my little my little moments here and there sometimes, but I, I think I've uh, I've learned from my experience. Yeah, it's it's not so he's not so angry about it. It's not no, so much. I'm not. It's not. I'm uh, not. And also since since because I'm I'm the uh, I guess I'm the customer absorbent sponge. He's like, yeah, yeah. You, you go deal with that. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Sometimes I pick up the phone. I say, here, this is for you. <laughs> That's it. 
but it, it's it's still fun. Seriously, it's still fun. Cool. I can't complain. Well, it's really great to hear that. And thank uh, you, sir. Yeah, once again, thank you both for being part of my comic hey, shop history. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much, thank and very uh, much. we wish you the best of luck with your round the world thing there. It'll be awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, Spider's Web, ladies and gentlemen. Spider's Web. Spider's Web. Now, before my journey and the season can truly end, there's one last stop I need to make. This season of My Comic Shop History began with the idea that My Comic Shop, Alternate Realities, is history, and it's time to see what else is out there. Alternate Realities may be gone, but it is never forgotten. I have carried it with me to every store I've visited, and before this chapter closes, I thought it fitting that I sit down once more with the former owner of Alternate Realities, my friend, Steve Odo. Welcome back, sir. Here we go again. Surprise season finale appearance. Yes, I hope it's worth it. <laughs> well, the season couldn't end without an appearance by Steve Odo. I hope I have stuff to tell you. You're, you're never at a loss for words. I think we'll be okay. Okay. So, of course, Steve Odo, full name, Stephen K. Odo. I don't know that we've ever revealed in these podcasts what the K stands for. And I thought that maybe we could do that now. But then I said, you know what? Let's wait. I feel like that's a series finale reveal. Okay, it's not that exciting. I, I I'll have to change it to make it more exciting. No, I think people I think people are curious by this this K. Well, it's just my middle name. I know, but but <laughs> nobody knows what it is, and they won't. Well, not until the series finale. Ah, they can't pronounce it. It's like a, like a Vulcan name or something like that. They'll never <laughs> be able to pronounce it, so better they don't know. The K is important, though. I mean, obviously, it's part of your name, so for that reason alone, it's important. But that's what led to the Sco nickname, more or less. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I guess so. Good observation. Yeah, there's tremendous value in this. So if you're if you're dying to know what Steve's middle name is, what that K stands for, you're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. Donate a little bit more to the Kickstarter. No, the Kickstarter is all done. Listen, that was that was quite the ride. Yeah, I'm glad glad you made it. I was a little nervous at the end, but uh, you know, actually, it was it about a week. You had a week to go, and you were at the eleven thousand mark. Was that it? And that's why I thought, gee, that's that's tough. But uh, people came through. I was very happy. People came through. So I've, you know, I announced the successful completion of the Kickstarter in, in intros to past episodes, but I haven't really talked about it. So, you know, we can, we can touch on it now. It was an incredibly tense and stressful, but ultimately exciting and exhilarating month. But it was quite the ride. And, you know, when I embarked on this, I, I figured that when I launched, there would be three you know, three possible ways that this could go. One way would be, you know, we just rocket to that goal and that would be amazing. And I figured that's probably unrealistic. It'd be great. And then I could just sit back and relax. But the likelihood of that was always going to be slim. Then, of course, another option was the other extreme, right? That it was just a complete dud. And from everything that I've heard and read about this, it's the kind of thing where you need that momentum early on, right? So if you, so if people come to the campaign a few days in and they see that it's you know, there's barely been any activity, they're like unlikely to pledge. So, you know, that that would have been terrible. And I, I kind of figured it wouldn't go that way because I knew, you know, I had been rallying people ahead of time. So I, I was cautiously optimistic that we'd have a good launch. And then the third option, the third possibility was the, was the likeliest. It ended up being what happened, which was we had a great start. It slowed a little bit. And, you know, over, you know, once we got past those first couple of days, as, as the weeks went on, it's like pledges kept coming in and that tally kept rising. 
but it was still, you know, we weren't close enough where I was like, okay, this is a lock. Like it really could have gone either way. So it was that, that in between where that the campaign lived for most of its run. And that's what made it a little bit stressful. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, uh, I guess when it was at the halfway mark, I said, well, that's pretty good, but it's still far away. Uh, at the, uh, at the end of the third week, when at the $11,000 mark, I said, well, it's doable. Fingers are crossed. And, but, you know, I, I, but just, you really put so much work into it and uh, really were putting it out there for everybody. And, uh, you know, I figured, I, I thought you'd make it, you know. I, 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 I don't know that I, I was that convinced that it wasn't going to happen. But, uh, but I said, it's, it's going to be close. And um, you actually managed to get it what uh, the day before was it that it finished up it wasn't the day the night before we had a big pledge come in late at night and that got us most of the way there mm-hmm. and then the following morning was when we hit the 15 yeah and then a few more pledges kept coming in and so we ended up at you know a little bit over fifteen thousand. well congratulations it was hard work i mean you, you put a lot of work into it so it's, it's one of the things you deserve because again we were talking earlier about how others on kickstarter who'd have the comic related uh um what do you, uh, we call it? drives um, seem to do nothing except saying I want to do this I want to do that please send money but I mean you really had it all set up with the different tiers of re- rewards and uh, you know all the lineups of uh, different people who are uh, volunteering their services and such so that you know I think it's a, if it didn't succeed I would have been surprised I guess in the end you know? yeah I mean I guess you know going into it I had enough optimism like I certainly didn't go in with a defeatist attitude I mean I felt like it was it was certainly doable I guess that's the thing I guess that was my attitude overall was I felt that it was it was possible and that I was putting everything that I had into this but it's still like there are no guarantees and you never quite know what response you're going to get there were a couple of odoisms that served me well you know proper planning prevents poor performance yes that's a good one listen I mean this campaign was in the works for a long time before that September 20th launch Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, this is a plan that I, I hatched really at the beginning of 2017 to do the season of the podcast and build to the Kickstarter. It was definitely a, a carefully thought out plan. Of course, those plans often go awry, so you don't you don't know if it's going to work or not. But, you know, a lot of thought did go into it. Always have a backup for the backup of the backup. You know, trying to cover all my bases, you know, whether it was reaching out for, for press or you know, asking people to do rewards or whatever it was, like having multiple redundancies in place and trying to cover all of my bases a couple of times over. So if one thing didn't work, there were other things that I could kind of fall back on. So those were some of the some of the principles that, that were guiding me. I thought the autoism that you were going to mention was uh, keep your expectations low and then you won't be disappointed. <laughs> well, that, you know, yeah, that too, I suppose. Uh, um, and, you know, and I, you know, I have to say, I mean, this was certainly not not a one-man operation. I mean, I did a lot, but there were plenty of other people who, you know, were part of this journey. I mean, yourself included. And, uh, you know, people who, you know, volunteered to create rewards. I mean, the rewards are such a big piece of it. And to have the custom toy and all the original art options and things like that, I mean, it, you know, that certainly made a difference. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I had a lot of help in that respect. And, you know, I sent the campaign to a bunch of people ahead of time before I launched and got some incredible feedback. And what was really interesting about it I mean, I feel like I picked a good group of people because people were coming at it from different angles. Like some people were looking at, they were looking more at the campaign description. Other people were looking at the rewards mm. or the pricing structure or things like that. And so I feel like overall I had a pretty comprehensive collection of feedback. 
Uh, and that helped. And I really took a lot of it to heart. Like, the, you know, I, I massaged the campaign a lot before it actually launched. So, you know, there were a lot of people in, involved with this. And uh, it's kind of surreal that it that it's, it happened. Well, again, it goes to the proper planning. I mean, there's a lot of research before you just jump in there. So, uh, you know, congratulations. It was, it was a job well done there. No, thank you. And I, you know, I guess the last thing I would say about it is you always want the pledges to come in earlier or faster and to hit those benchmarks sooner, right? But, you know, any, you know, frustration or stress was so far outweighed by the generosity of the people who got behind this project. Like, I was truly, and I'm not saying this for a fact, like, I truly touched by how much people got into this. Um, Not just to make a pledge, but spreading the word, increasing pledges, trying to rally other people. Like, it was really... It was so gratifying. People calling, texting, messaging. Just, I, I mean, I really felt like maybe it was in my head, but like I really felt like there was a, a movement behind this, and it was it was so gratifying. I'm so grateful. Well, it's like it's like politics. You know, you have the campaign, you put out flyers, but it's the volunteers that are out there calling and really pushing for you. Yeah. So, so now I got another movie to make. Yeah, that is. It probably is an interesting thing because uh, look look how many Kickstarters are failed or failed uh, ventures. You know. Um, that's why it was a little scary, I think, for me when I first, because I wasn't familiar with Kickstarter. You know, I didn't even know how to make the pledge until you told me how. But, um, but I was, I was looking at other people's projects and it's like, they, it seemed like they, 80% of them would fail. No, I mean, I just, you know, I know I've said this on the show before, but really from the bottom of my heart, I mean, thank you to everybody who contributed to this campaign in any way. Uh, it really means the world to me. Um, just jumping back to the rewards for a moment. One of the rewards was a sketch by comic book artist Chris Giarusso. It was limited to five. One of them was claimed by one of our former customers, Miguel. And the character he chose to have Chris draw, he didn't go for Superman. He didn't go for Batman, Spider-Man. No, no. He went for one Stephen K. Odo. I'll tell you, talking about being touched by people. He's like, uh, I mean, I, I always liked him. Uh, you, know, you know, there were a lot of customers I didn't like. But uh, he was one of my my favorites, and um, it's it's funny because I've known him for so many years, you know. And you know, he'd just gotten married a couple of years ago. It's it's uh, you you just I guess I feel like well again you feel like you're getting old and you and you've seen time go by. But here's uh, a young fellow who uh, the the fact that 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 he chose to have that uh, a, a drawing of me. It, it's it was it was very touching. Um, I don't. I can't even put it into words. You know, it's like, and it came out great. Yeah, <laughs> the second I saw it, I knew who it was. <laughs> well, I should hope so. <laughs> it was, it was quite spectacular. Because I, you know, I don't know if you remember, but uh, but was it two years ago when uh, Ann and I went on that cruise? One of the things I uh, had done was a um, a, a bobblehead bobble of me, you know, and it doesn't even really look like me. But uh, this is, uh, it was really nice. It's, it's almost like. God, if we'd know that he had this kind of uh, talent, we would have had uh, Chris as a guest or something like that to uh, to draw everybody. <laughs> you would have made a fortune. <laughs> I, I may yet commission Chris to draw more of the alternate realities crew, so we'll oh. see. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it came out great. So I'm excited to have you here. We can sit down, we can chat, we can catch up. The, the biggest question, everybody, anytime the subject of Steve Odo comes up, the one thing everybody wants to know, how are you? What are you doing? It's been two and a half years now since alternate realities closed. What have you been up to? Yeah, it's hard to believe it's two and a half years. Um, yeah, basically, 
I feel like every day is kind of busy. And I, I surprise myself each time when I look back and say, well, I got a lot done, but it's all stuff that's not store related. And it's like, how did I possibly do all this stuff and run a store for all those years? I mean, it's stuff like you know, working in the garden, pulling leaves. Like today, I was uh, raking. Um, everybody in the neighborhood hires a gardener, but uh, I, I do my own. In the case of leaves, I, I pick the, handpick each leaf, <laughs> so I don't use a rake. Um, After observing you at alternate realities for all of those years, I'm not at all surprised that you rake by hand. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not because it's not like covered. The lawn's not covered in it, so it actually takes more effort to take the rake and keep sweeping, sweeping you know, endlessly, as opposed to just taking a box and getting, you know, squatting down and and throwing, you know, each single leaf into the box and then just dumping the pile. But uh, but it's it's one of those things like it's hand hand picked fruit. This this lawn is hand picked. It's beautiful. No, I, I, the the story the story is that. Years ago, I remember coming home once, and uh, my father happened to be at the window, and uh, he's tapping on the glass. And my father loved working in the lawn, so you know, in the yard and all that. So the, the, the lawn was spotless. But he taps on the glass, and I look up, and he's pointing down in the middle of the front yard, and there's one single leaf. And so basically, he's telling me go get that leaf and get it off the yard, because he used to take the, the leaf blower and not just do the uh, the yard and the driveway, but he'd do the street because he didn't want cars that were going by to, as they drove by, he didn't want the leaves to, to cover our lawn or the street again. So he would do the street as well as the street in front of neighbors on the left and the right. Um, a little extreme, but uh, since I don't use the leaf blower, I uh, use a broom and I did the street. No, oh, that's very I, nice. Uh, neighbors actually come out and say, your father would be very proud. So when I say, well, he's, you know, haunts me every day. So he's just looking down (laughs) saying, clean that yard. Well, you're living up to the example that he set. That's awesome. Yes. uh But so generally speaking, you know, people say, what is Steve doing now that the store is closed? So we've touched on this in in past episodes, but in case anyone needs a little refresher, the remaining AR merchandise lives in two rooms at the Westies warehouse. And in like one, two, three, four, four rooms, five rooms. Well, I guess the garage and four rooms in the house. A lot of stuff. I mean, what it, it basically people people know I think know that I spend most of the day now on eBay. Right, you've been uh, selling the remaining yeah. stock on Yeah, on under eBay. under my name, uh Super Odo. So so if you're listening to this and you want to get your hands on some classic AR merchandise, <laughs> go to eBay and look up the seller Super Odo. Yeah, ba- basically, you know, it's like uh, it I the reason I'm enjoying doing this one at a, one piece at a time is because I'll take a comic book, and not that I'll read the whole thing, but I'll have to, I have to look through it to make sure there's no, nothing cut out or any problems with the condition. And I'll take pictures of the front and back and some interior pages and in the, the centerfold to make sure the staples are secure. Uh, I'll take close-up pictures of corners that are bent or tears here and there um, because I want to give an accurate description. And I also happen to look up on, I guess, Wiki, DC Wiki or whatever, uh, the history of the comic book. So that in my description, I say, well, this is a story, the title of the story, written by so-and-so, drawn by so-and-so, inked by so-and-so. Um, too much detail. But this way, I actually get to enjoy the comic book one last time before I get rid of it. And because I've got so much extra inventory in the store of modern comic books, uh, which I don't think will ever sell, you know, when you have 100 copies of Marvel Apes, 
Oh, those you know, Marvel apes. I, you know, it's like, as a, as a bonus, aside from like doing, going back and looking at other people who are selling the same old comic book in different conditions, I'll throw in an extra modern age comic book as a bonus. So even if you're only paying $4 or $5 for the old comic book and you're getting a $4 new comic book for nothing, you know, it's just that, it's that much more of a, a reason that somebody would buy it from me as opposed to the other 20 guys who are selling the same thing. Right. Well, you had a so, moment recently where you came across a listing and you were so impressed by the listing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you almost made a purchase and then you realized that it was your own listing. No, it wasn't good I was made the purchase, but I guess I had a second copy of this old Spider-Man book. And so I was looking at different people's listings and I saw it and say, wow, this guy takes good pictures. It's got everything you need to know about it. And the... I guess the first one I put down was like maybe a very fine copy, and I had a, happened to have a very good copy as the second one. So I said, well, you know, let's let's see what other people have. And then when I was reading the description, I said, wow, this guy writes exactly the way I would write. And then it turned out to be, you know, when it turned out to be me. <laughs> but just think about how much you'd save on the shipping if you just bought your own listings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, so, so basically what it is, is, uh, you know, I've managed to get a, a few hundred items up and every day I'm just trying to keep more up. Um, I'm not complaining that I can't seem to get the numbers higher because stuff is selling. So I might have 295 items up. I managed to get 300 that night and then the next morning I've sold two or three more. So I'm back down to 295. Um, so yeah, it's gradually it's getting, it's getting up there and, um, the the problem right that I'm encountering is, is it's it gets a little boring. Um, I might have twenty different actions from the nineteen sixties, but I don't want to sit there and just do one action after another. Even though probably strategy wise it's smarter because it would take less time since I'm just changing the issue number, the title, uh, change the description a little bit. But it's boring, so I'll do one action and then I'll do an Amazing Spider-Man and then I'll do an Atom because I'm I'm only on the A's. And that's my problem also. I should just be grabbing whatever will sell. I should be looking at the old X-Men or I should be looking at, uh, I don't know, whatever is popular. I'll say Guardians of the sure. Galaxy. You know, it's, I should be just taking those things. And I say, well, I'll get to those eventually, but let me just get all the actions out of the way. And now I'm at Adventure Comics. Right. I mean, yeah, because you are paying to store all of these things. But yeah. I won't harp on that. What I will ask, though, is... I had Ben from Zap Comics on the show earlier this season. Mm -hmm. We had a great chat. We talked all about his collection buying practices. If he were interested in buying out the remaining AR stock, and I'm not saying he is, but he might be, is that something you'd be open to? Well, I spoke to him at uh, New York Comic Con. Oh, okay. Um, actually, I guess I went there partially to talk to Ben about the comics, to talk to Tommy of Vest Comics uh, in Long Island about the statues, because that's his big field. And, you know, uh, Tommy was interested. Um, but then I go through this thing where I think, well, if it's a $100 statue, and let's say it costs us 60 and I'll sell it on eBay for 50 or $60. Um, and what, what, what would a store offer me? $20? So I'm going to just sell it for 35 You know, and it's just the time. Um, again, I have to live long enough to do it, but I don't know. I mean, when last time when uh, Bill and Rich were in town, we went to the warehouse and, uh, we made a, was it an Excel spreadsheet of all the minibus and the statues. So, um, so we have a rough idea of what we've got. I guess it's easy enough to make a printout and send it to Tommy. 
But again, as I'm looking at this thing, well, I'll get, I'll get next to nothing for it. And I still am enjoying as I take out each one and take pictures of it and okay. make descriptions. And uh, and there's, there's that sense of satisfaction because it's not a, really a business for me right now. You know, so there's that sense of satisfaction. You wake up in the morning and say, oh, look what sold overnight while I was asleep. Or in the course of the day, you know, you're watching, so I, I watch a lot of financial news on TV. Then all of a sudden, you know, the iPad is like, it makes a ka-ching sound like cash register. And it's like, oh, we sold something. And whether it's a $3 nothing or, you know, a $50 nothing that I never thought would sell, but suddenly I was getting $50 for it or $100. It's like, well, that's that's nice. And I just pack it up and take it out. Hey, look, if that's how you enjoy to spend your time and the cost of storing it is not too burdensome, then go for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm in, uh, it's a little unusual because I guess I'm in the lucky lucky financial position that I can afford the, the storage. Storage isn't cheap. I know. But um, but it's not hurting me. And um, yeah, I think to myself, what else would I do? I mean, I'd probably sit there and watch TV shows all day. And I don't want to do that. You know, I, I mean, I've got the TV on for background noise. But uh, but I'm putzing around the house and doing other stuff, and um, you know I have to admit I, I do still run into people, old customers, and they always ask how are you doing, and I have to look and I say I I don't know if I've ever been happier. I'm I'm I've got nothing to complain about. My health maybe, but um, you know realistically, especially compared to what's going on in the world, I think to myself you know I, it, if if I have one little leak in the house, it's like well it's a headache. But there are people whose whole homes got blown away, yeah. you know. And uh, if I get one statue returned to me because the uh, Flash's lightning bolt ear got broken off, it's like at, at this point, it's like, well, you know, it's it's already been paid for. So, are the eBayers not annoying you to the extent that the customers used to? Um, different types of annoyances. You have a lot of people who have. Uh, it's not really an annoyance. I mean, you feel bad for them because you know you, you have guys from uh, foreign countries. And I don't try. I try to avoid selling internationally because um, yeah, that's a I'll, whole hassle. Well, I'll do it if they're willing to pay the shipping. I'll do it. I don't care. But I try to encourage them not to buy it from me because it's like you know, it's like the, here's a thirty dollar book, but it's going to cost you forty five dollars for shipping. It's just not worth it. But uh, you know, I'll try to work with people, and then and, but I get a lot of back and forth and lots of questions and postage and stuff, and and in the end. They won't be able to do it for whatever reasons, you know. But uh, you know, you can only do so much. But no, it's, it's not. It's not the bad headache that it used to be. So I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, it would be great if somebody walked in and said, "Here's a hundred thousand dollars. Give me everything in the warehouse." You know, again, I think I've talked to Jew about this. I said it would be stupid for me to to say no, because the thing is, all this stuff I can always get more. Yeah. Well, you have been getting more, not of the same <laughs> stuff, but yeah, I know you've been buying a, a number of key books and collections. That's only for myself, though. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not looking to buy collections of junk. Uh, sometimes I, I have to buy, get the junk to get the good stuff. Um, it's not it's not that often that somebody comes to me and say they they want they have stuff to sell. So this this stuff that you're buying for yourself, <laughs> how much of it consists of books that you had and sold when you unloaded everything to Heritage a few years back? It's all stuff I it's had. All, you know, it's all. Yeah. Are you? I mean, it's the goal to recreate. The, the collection? whole thing? <laughs> no, no. It started off being, I wanted to just have a, since since it was no longer a business for me, and I started to, not I wasn't burnt out anymore, I started to appreciate the comics again. And um, I started to enjoy comics again. And so I said, well, let me just get maybe a dozen or 20 old books from the 60s that remind me of my childhood or why I got into comics in the first place. So I started buying a few books here and there on eBay. And the, that box of 20 became... 
I guess two or three short boxes, so about 150 to 400, 400 uh, say 500 books. On the subject of buying and selling, you had a Facebook interaction today, I believe, that I feel really sums you up in a lot of ways. There was a uh, mutual friend of ours who posted some stuff that he was selling some collectibles, and you commented, you said, it always bothers me when someone sells their collection. I don't just see it in terms of quantity of stuff. I see the time and effort that went into the hunt to accumulate this much. And this person responded and said it was fun, but when it sits in a closet, instead of being displayed, it's time for someone else to enjoy. And you responded with, and I feel like this is classic quintessential Steve Odo, or you can leave it in the closet and sleep soundly each night, knowing that you have it all stored safely somewhere within the four walls of the house. That peace of mind that comes from no, just knowing that you have it. That's the way we ran the store. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, somewhere, yeah, people used to come in and ask for a certain item, and it was impossible to find it, but I knew we had it. And it, just, it was within the four walls of the store. I, I still buy those uh, IDW artisans, or artist editions. You know, they're gigantic, they're expensive, uh, they come shrink wrapped, and I never take it out of the shrink wrap, but I know I have it. Yes. And it's a great uh, comfort to me. Well, Steph teases me sometimes because I've been making a little more of an effort to read comics again, but I'm still buying more trades than I'm reading. And anytime I buy something, she'll always ask me, are you actually going to read it or do you just want to know that you have it? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Um, and again, as a collector, it's hard to part with it. That's why when you mentioned earlier where um, the, he's selling all those, his Transformers. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, Frank. Yep. Um there's a part of me that says that's, that's wrong and I should just buy it all from him and I'll just hold on to it for him until he decides he wants it back. <laughs> well, you did that not with a collectible, but with my bookcase. <laughs> I know. It's... And I, you know, so I had, for listeners, I had these two bookcases that I got through Wayfair and they, I got them for my graphic novels, but they really just weren't sturdy enough. So I was looking to get rid of them. Our mutual friend, Chris Delando, he took one of them one of them off my hands, and I still had the other one. And then you chimed up, and you said you would take it, and I I really had a moral, a moral conflict, because I was like, I know, he has so much stuff, he really doesn't need this, he's probably just taking it, so I won't throw it out, but I really needed to get it out of here, so uh, it, is, it is in the Odo Castle now. Yeah. It's, like, it's probably one of the crummiest bookcases I've ever seen. The thing, They're not the best. You can't put anything on it. I know. It just, I told you. <laughs> I know. I'm just waiting for the whole thing to collapse. Uh, speaking of other stuff of mine that you've taken, <laughs> I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> you got rid of it. Uh, my Those speakers. Did they work? I don't know. <laughs> they, I think so. So I had this, back when I was living at my parents' house, I had this seven-speaker surround sound system. And it was great, but, it, you know, it's, again, it's seven speakers and a receiver and a subwoofer. Like, there's just a lot of hardware involved. And I don't really have the space or the energy for that anymore. So when I, when I moved, I tried to sell them and no takers. And then once again, <laughs> Odo <laughs> rose to the occasion and you took them. And when we loaded them into the Pathfinder, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm never seeing these things again. And then we did our Kickstarter party at All Yeah Comics during the campaign in, in September. And you show up with the speakers. <laughs> and then, but the kicker, of course, is that once the event was done, you left. You left the speakers there. And all of a sudden, they were my problem again. <laughs> the whole idea was that, yeah, you couldn't get rid of them. So I figured, okay, I've got the time, so I can try to sell them for you. 
and then I can give you the money, you know, because it seemed like a waste. So I tried selling them on different sites, uh, note takers, like because I guess the technology is so. It's like trying to sell a, uh, a, a was it was the tube type of television. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like these days, like what we're looking at right now in my apartment, you know, most a lot of people have these sound bars, which it's not the same. I mean, it's truly not the same effect as a full surround sound system, but it's quite good. So yeah. I don't know that people are necessarily looking for that that whole setup. Yeah, but see, I'm a, I'm in that generation that only remembers surround sound with like all the speakers around the house and lots of wires. Um, the sound bar, I, didn't, I had no idea what it was until Evan got one a couple of years ago. And I still didn't understand what it meant. But, uh, I mean, in, <laughs> no, and like in fairness, it's, I mean, I, it would have been great to sell them. I mean, I tried to sell them first, but, you know, there, there just didn't seem to be a demand for it. And my feeling was I got, I got my money's worth. I used them for a number of years. I enjoyed them. And then that was it. But they were very, very expensive, weren't they? When you first bought them? They, yeah. I mean, I forget now how much I spent. Maybe it was like, I don't know, five or six hundred for the whole thing. Okay. Cause I had looked it up, you know, each part. And I said, well, this is about $700 worth of stuff. Yeah, that's about right. So I think I put it out for like $200, figuring somebody might offer it 100 And just anything to give to you. And um, when it became obvious that nobody was going to buy it, it ended up being stored in uh, the garage for I don't know how many years. Then I had to store it in the uh, warehouse for at least, what, another year. Um, and then when he started the Kickstarter, I said, well, this is perfect. <laughs> we can have this as a prize. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Every time we would talk about like reward ideas, you would always come up with <laughs> furniture and equipment. I didn't know that it had to. Is there a rule that it has to be related to the the project itself? I don't know that it's so much that it needs to be related, but it it does need to be like you can't resell items. So if I were to say like take my pop collection and say you know pledge x x number of dollars and get the pops, like that's Oh, that's a no-no? No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, it really, it, it's supposed to be something that's an original creation for the Kickstarter. Now, how closely they're looking at that, how strictly they're enforcing that, I don't know. Hmm. But in theory, at least, uh, it's not supposed to be something like that. But yeah. in any event, the fact that you tried to sell them, that you hung on to them, that you brought them to, oh, yeah, the intention was good. I really do. <laughs> I appreciate it. But But it was just this funny thing where I was ready to get out of there. The event was done. And then I was like, well, he left the speakers. And there were a few people in the store. I probably shouldn't even tell you this because I feel like it's just going to upset you. But there were a few people in the store and I was like, hey, does anyone want a speaker system? And one guy was like, sure. Do they work? I was like, yeah, they work. I mean, as far as I know, they yeah, still no, work. They should work. So, so he took them. He, he took them. Did he make the pledge? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Oh, I, okay. I didn't get his name and I should have. Yeah. I don't know. Well... Hopefully he did. He promised he would, but you yeah. know that doesn't necessarily. Listen, mean even anything. if he even if he pledged five or ten dollars, because uh, and he got a <laughs> you know a speaker system for you know worth a few hundred. It's yeah. like it, it would have been it would have been fine. It would have it would have served its purpose. It would have had a um, a, you know, a, a glorious death. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. There were there were a number of people who pledged during the campaign, and I thanked them, and they said, I'm sorry I couldn't pledge more. And it's like, it broke my heart. It's like, my goodness. It's like any amount helps, and it's appreciated. It's like you have nothing to apologize for. You know? I mean, it's... And the people who were saying that, like, they, they were good. <laughs> like They were generous pledges to begin with, but the fact that people even felt that way, uh, I felt bad. <laughs> well, you know? Then, of course, there were some people who were just... 
disappeared. Just MIA. Is that something? Now, when I refer to these people, I'm talking like core inner circle alternate realities yeah. crew. Like the people who you you would expect to be there, even if it's not with a monetary contribution, but just well wishes, like anything. Like they were, and this is a very small group we're talking, like really, really small, but people who are just MIA. Hmm. It was, it's like, I don't know what I did to them. Yeah, well, <laughs> disappointing. I was, uh, again, Ann and I talk about a lot of stuff and we were both a little shocked and a little disappointed. Oh, not a little disappointed. I was very disappointed. I, I expected better. But uh, so it's it like goes. so much for friendship and fun. I know. I kept saying that to Rich, you know, because he still associates with these guys. Yeah. You know, I'm not part of that book club that, thank God. But uh, <laughs> I just can't see spending five hours sitting around drinking beer talking about a comic book. Yeah, you know, I, I love the hobby and I love the, the books themselves, but to talk about the stories that were like what 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it's like, ah, that's. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've only gone to a couple of them. I haven't been in a while, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if and when I'll make it to the next one, but uh, I know that those who do it, they, they really seem to enjoy it. Yeah, well, teach his own. You yeah, know, so that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that I, I just can't see doing it. I feel there's so many other things. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so yeah, friendship and fun, I guess, uh, has its limits. But yeah. like I said, that was such a, a small group. I, really, overall, like, it was just, that's the thing, like, as much as something like that bothers me on a personal level where it's like what, you know did i offend these people like what's going on that it's just so far outweighed by by everybody else and so i really just try to focus on the positive because there was so much positive with this and that came out of it and like people who pledged who like i didn't expect them to or i got just like people from law school who i haven't spoken to in a long time like out of nowhere pledging mm -hmm. like there were there were some really really awesome surprises during this campaign so Far outweighs, um, you know, some of those, those minor disappointments. Well, I keep my expectations low. <laughs> keep your expectations low and you'll never be disappointed. So we talked about where the remaining merchandise from Alternate Realities lives. It's in those storage units. Of course, it used to reside at 700 Central Park Avenue, the Acropolis Shopping Plaza. And for two plus years since the store closed, there had been a for, a for rent sign on the vacant spot where AR used to be. But that sign is gone now. There have been some developments. The strip has new owners. I know about the new ownership. Because, um, uh, was it, the uh, hairdressers is gone. Hairdresser is gone, and the massage parlor Finally is gone as well. Finally shut down, right? Yep. Yeah, I saw the, the police thing <laughs> on the door. So currently there are three <laughs> vacant spots in a row. The hair salon, the massage parlor, and alternate realities. Uh, either end, uh, we have restaurants. So what used to be the Chinese restaurant is now a Vietnamese restaurant. And what used to be Casa Maya is now a different Mexican restaurant, Mariachi Loco. Mm -hmm. And then the dry cleaner and the deli are still there. But so there's, uh, there are new owners of this strip and we have three vacant stores. And what I hear is that they are knocking down the walls in between. And those three stores will become one large space to be occupied by a two TBD tenant. The TBD tenant is still going to have all that water problem, you know? It doesn't matter how big the space is, that that, that ceiling is going to be just stained with the water dripping from the from the roof. I mean, how do you... Well, that, I mean, that's one issue, but, uh, you know, I mean, how do you feel about uh, that, st that space being filled? I know you're not overly sentimental, but... Because I'm kind of torn. Like, on the one hand, there was part of me that felt it was fitting that... 
nothing else took alternate reality's place. Like, nothing could replace it in the Acropolis Plaza. But uh, I don't know. I feel like it's, I don't know. Will there, will there be more of a sense of closure once you drive by and there's something else there and it's become oh, something new? No, no. I've, I've, uh, my closure is already gone. It's done. I meant more for me. Oh, yeah. Or for maybe for some. Because yeah. I know there are other customers who have, we've spoken about this. Like, they drive by and it's like, oh, you see that empty space. Well, I guess, uh, I guess this is interesting because it's, it's from two different points of view. I mean, I look at it from the point of view of a tenant, a former tenant. And, um, you know, I, I, my thinking first is that I feel bad for the new owner because they probably overpaid and uh, to landlords who I wish nothing but ill. And I don't, well, I mean, again, it's their fault. They should have done their own due diligence on this stuff. But, you know, the building is a crappy building. It's poorly constructed, cheaply constructed. Uh, every time it rains, that that uh, roof becomes a, a swimming pool. And then the water drips down into the building. And so three days after the rain stopped, all of a sudden the water's pouring down into the stores. Let's face it. I mean, all the, the other tenants are just happy, would be happy if their leases were, were done and they could get out. Maybe there's some hope that with a new landlord, it's going to be more reasonable, but somehow I can't imagine it. Well, the dry cleaner signed a new lease. Did he? Yep. Wow. Well, I guess what is he going to do otherwise, you know? You say he, but Irene runs that show. Well, yeah, I suppose, I guess, because the husband is standing in the back swinging his golf club all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that? Every time he took out the garbage, he's out there swinging a golf club. I don't know that I remember that. I mean, I... Andy. Yeah, yeah, Andy. I don't know that I, I don't know that I necessarily saw that. But, uh, well... But yeah, so change, uh, change a coming. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I have to say, I, I think I'm happy, ultimately, that that space will become something else, because it... I don't know. I feel like I'm a little haunted by it when I drive by and I see that empty, vacant storefront. So I, I think it's a good thing that something else will be there. It'll yeah. be good for business. Hopefully, good for the other, you know, the other businesses on that strip. So I think overall, it's this is this is a positive. One thing that I'm curious to ask you, and I don't know. I know you had been catching up on past episodes of the podcast. I don't know if you've heard any of this season's episodes with the other stores. I um, I've listened to the first, the well, season three, right? Yes. Okay. I listened to the first one with Paul. And I like that one a lot. Because with Mark? No. Oh, was it Mark? Yeah, yes, this right. Yeah, right. Was, right. Uh... It was with, with Mark. I like that one because, you know, obviously Mark is in the business and has a different perspective of how this, how tough it is, um, as opposed to the the previous business episode where you had people who... <laughs> uh, what, Mark had... Uh, did somebody... Maybe it wasn't Mark. Somebody on Facebook, another store owner... Um, said, well, thank you for telling me what a lousy job I'm doing, you know, from somebody who doesn't know their ass from their elbow. So um, I, I enjoyed listening to that one. I, I listened to the second one with the, the couple. Oh, in Ohio, Pack uh-huh. Rat. Yeah. Um, did they end up closing? No. Oh, okay. So they're still okay. I enjoyed that one. You know, it's uh, it sounded like a f- very fun couple. Yeah, and, yeah, we had a good time with them. Yeah, you know, and I guess... Uh, I could see that if I were a resident of that area, that I'd probably be shopping with them. I would think that they're they're a fun fun place to go. To. But that's so far. That's all I've gotten. Usually, I only listen to these. You know, before when Evan was uh, still in college, was no, it can't be right. For some reason, <laughs> no, you haven't been doing this that long. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know what it was. Uh, he he was up in Cheryl because his uh, his grandmother uh, had a heart attack and uh, a stroke. 
So I had to drive up there, and that's like a three-hour drive. Of, no, more than that. Like a four or five-hour drive of the way I drive. The way he drives is three hours. <laughs> so anyway. But, so Steve I, I, takes his time <laughs> listening to that Christian rock. <laughs> no, not, not anymore. I, it's, it's, I, I follow speed limits. But um, So I would listen to three episodes going up, three episodes coming back, that type of thing. But now it's like the it's it's actually difficult for me to just sit and listen. Yeah, well, you know it's really funny. So this this very day, uh, well, I mean, this is Wednesday, November twenty second, that you're listening to this podcast. But very recently, I put a call out on Facebook asking people uh, where and when do they typically listen to the episodes because I'm curious. And uh, the, I got a bunch of responses, and a lot listen at work, or <laughs> <laughs> at work, or. Uh, on the way to or from work on the commute that's mm-hmm. that seemed to be and then i got a few people at the gym walking the dog stuff like that but uh yeah i mean it seems like people are not like just sitting down i tried and do yeah you know. i tried once uh just sitting in the living room and um what is it uh, not amazon prime i guess you can fix the ipad so that it plays on the television no oh, yeah um i forgot what it's called but uh so i tried that once I said, there's no way I can just sit here and just listen to these guys talking. So, um, <laughs> thanks. So, <laughs> so, what, so what I found is like, you know, I, I like to, I like to cook and I'll make a big pot of chili or I'll make uh, Japanese curry rice. And it takes a long time because I don't use any kind of food processor. I, I like picking up the leaves. I'll take the onion and I'll slice it to, to be little, uh, what, not even one quarter inch by one quarter inch. Perfect. Right. So, so you know, I've got to slice a couple of onions, potatoes, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, green, uh, yeah, green peppers are perfect. Every one of them. It's, it's, it's like out of a machine. But uh, because it takes so long, it takes me probably an hour just to prep the stuff. And then, um, and so I have it playing while I'm doing that. And uh, it's, it's just, it works out just right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm the same with stuff that I listen to. I think, you know, we're so used to being so stimulated. You, you A lot of us now, you have multiple things going on. So I'm... I'm happy and honored to be part of anybody's workday, commute, kitchen time, whatever. One guy listens on the bath in the bathroom sometimes. I'll take that too. <laughs> I wrote back. I said, a "Download's a download. Doesn't matter where you're listening." <laughs> so, but what I was going to ask was, so I know you, you only listen to a couple of them from like the photos and, and stuff like that that I've been posting. Has there been anything about any of these stores that struck you? Positive or negative, just like wondering if you had any impressions on what you've seen. I haven't looked closely at them, but I have to admit that when I do see some of these photographs, I'm curious about walking. I love to be able to walk into the store and just take a... I mean, you can only catch so much on a photo, but I would actually like to walk in the store, not see so much, you know, their trade paperback section or something, but, you know, as a collector, look at whatever back issues they might have uh, on the wall or statue, you know, that they've got in display, kind of see how they've arranged things. Because I walk into a store, and I always think in terms of like, you know, is this the the best place to put the register, security-wise? You know, we had our problems at the store because it was so long, and we didn't invest in the, uh, what do you call it, those cameras? Yeah. Which we may, well, I mean, we had our losses here and there, but I don't think it would have justified the cost of the security system. You know, it, it's, it's, well, it's like anything, it's tough to run a store. It's tough to run a business, and uh, I guess I'm glad you're doing this season three with other stores because that gives a. I guess for other store owners who listen to this, they'll they'll appreciate everything that uh, their their you know 
fellow store owners are saying. Sure. Because they've experienced it and they know it. They have the same problems. You know, I'm glad I don't deal with that anymore, but I, I feel for the other stores. And I know they're struggling. It's, it's, it's been a tough year. Uh, even when I spoke with, at, uh, with Diamond at the uh, New York Comic Con, you know, it's, it's been a tough summer for them too. Because there are a lot of stores that can't even pay their bills every week. And um, it's, it's a little surprising to hear. You know, I mean, I only know about a handful in our area. But uh, I've got to imagine that on, on a larger scale nationwide, other stores are having a lot of problems. So, Well, yes. I mean, there are certainly <laughs> challenges, and that's been a theme of the season. And a lot of common sentiments expressed. Um, but it's always interesting to get different takes. You know, certain things are more of an issue at one store than another and stores you know have different approaches to uh to dealing with them so it's been it's been great i mean i've really had the best time doing this and getting into other stores yeah i mean you had that one toy store that uh i guess does the customized figures yeah it's vintage yeah i'd love to be able to take a trip out there but i mean you know practically speaking i don't i can't take a uh, how long um, it's an hour an an hour hour out that way you would like it I yeah. really think you should take a trip there. Yeah. But again, you know, my, my concern is I don't like to leave the dog alone for uh, more than two, three hours. It's just such a well-curated store. It's like a museum. Like, you would appreciate it. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. I go into a lot of stores, and I think, wow, it's clean in here. Yes. It, but it's, it's, for me, it's a little uncomfortable. You know, I mean, you've seen the house. The house is like <laughs> the store. Yeah. You know, it's just piles of stuff. And people, that's why, you know, people don't seem to understand how much stuff well, it's it's just it's organized in its own way, but it's like Jesus, so much. So yes, I've toyed with the idea of like putting a word out there and say anybody want to buy all of it for X thousands of dollars, and uh, you know maybe I'm sure if I if I sat down with the inner circle, you know, Bill, Drew, you guys, and everybody said, listen, just sell it for twenty thousand dollars. Sure, you 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 can make a hundred thousand or hundred fifty thousand dollars out of it if you live for another hundred years, but just do it and get rid of the warehouses and you have all that time to weed the backyard or whatever else, you know. But it's like I don't know. I just yeah. I I like to make money, you know. And again, I guess the reason I'm lucky enough to be able to pay for the storage is because I do really well in the stock market, and that's why I watch CNBC all day long. And between that and Bloomberg and the car and all that, it's like all I do is follow the stock market. But, um, you know, I've been lucky. You know, I guess obviously if, if, uh, if, uh, if it were the opposite, I'd have to sell it out of desperation, but I'm not in that position. But uh, it's the collector in me, you know. I mean, I've, I went to such effort to, to put some of this stuff away. You know, I mean, we have boxes and boxes of old magic, the gathering. Which, you know, magic people would love to get their hands on. But uh, it's like, well, I don't need to sell it. So when I get around to it, but it's all hidden behind cases of DC action figures, um, which are hidden behind cases of Simpsons. So it's like, well, you know, I'll get to it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, let's face it. When we have when we have another conversation a year from now, it'll be... Uh, yeah, I got rid of it all at once because somebody actually came in and says, here's $10,000, can I have all the statues? I was like, yeah, okay. I don't know. If I had to put money on it, I would say that when I have you back on for the season four finale, we'll pretty much have the same conversation again. <laughs> but like I said earlier, as long as you're enjoying yourself, you're in a good position, that's really the most important thing. If and when you want that talking to with all the reasons why you should unload it, 
I'm sure we'd happily give it to you. (laughs) But that's your call. We won't thrust it upon you. Yeah. Oh well, but uh, yeah, I do hope you enjoy the other episodes when when you get a chance to listen. I think you'll uh, I think you'll find them interesting, having gone through everything that you did. It's funny people have asked how I picked the stores this season. Uh, that's come up a number of times. I haven't really addressed it in the show, but it's really been a mix of personal recommendations. You know, Zap Comics, for example, that's a store that I've only ever heard great things about from all of you guys. So that was that was one that I knew I wanted to get to, uh, and then there was also a practical logistical component as well where anytime i was going to be traveling for weddings or work or whatever i would see what stores were in the area and uh, you know tie that into visits that i was already taking so that was kind of how the mix of stores uh came into being and became this lineup for the season i'm glad they're all willing to talk have you run into anybody who said no i don't not interested no there i think there well there was one store in california when i went to palm desert uh, that just never got back to me Mm -hmm. so i don't know if if he wasn't interested or if never got it or meant to respond but didn't i don't know but yeah there was no one who actually wrote back and said no thank you okay now did you deal with that guy in vegas alternate reality alternate reality comics they uh pledged to the kickstarter campaign Mm -hmm. but uh no i mean i did not i did not make it out there to vegas okay you should Take a trip out. I would like to, yeah. You know, just for fun, uh, also. That's but, true. But, but you can mix, mix it with, the, with the, the work there. Yeah, so Alternate Reality Comics is one of the, uh, for the Kickstarter campaign, one of the rewards was a podcast sponsorship, and they selected that. So uh, when I was recording the, their commercial, it was very challenging, because for well over a decade, I've only ever said Alternate Realities. <laughs> <laughs> And all of a sudden, I was trying to spit out alternate reality comics, and I, I kept messing up. Oh, yeah. But it seems like a really cool store. They've been around for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, I was able to hit a good number of stores and states and regions uh, over this season, but there are definitely places that I haven't gotten to yet that I hope to with the documentary. So, uh, whether it's, you know, Seattle or Vegas, uh, Los Angeles, Austin. I mean, there are definitely places. Florida. I mean, the whole state of Florida. There's so many stores. So, um, you know, there are definitely other areas that I hope to be able to get to. Are you planning to go to uh, Seattle? If I'm able to, I would like to. There's Mighty Moose Comics. The original owner of Fat Moose Comics Mm. now owns Mighty Moose out in Seattle. Original Alternate Realities co-founder Kevin Halstead is out there as well. Yeah, but he doesn't work for them anymore. No, but he's just there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to. I just want to shake his hand <laughs> and talk to one of the yeah, one of the founding fathers of alternate realities. Oh, okay. I mean, obviously, we've spoken at length. I've spoken to Gene, but I've never met Kevin. We've corresponded a good bit over Facebook, but mm-hmm. it would be great to meet him in person. Yeah. What else would you like to talk about? Let me think. Um, yeah, I don't know. You want to talk about friendship and fun? It's like I guess I I remember when we were closing up, and you guys would sit around and say, well. You know, we used to have dinner every Saturday together. But it's like, well, we'll still get together every every week or every other week. And I said, I don't know. You know, it's like my experience has been, you know, from people from college and law school and different places I've worked. You know, you, you see them every day, but all of a sudden when life goes on and you move on, that you don't see them at all. And I thought, well, it's one of those things to me where... Uh, you know, maybe look at the other, say, well, we'll get together once every three weeks, every four weeks, or only when Rich Roney's in town. 
and uh, sometimes not even then. Yeah, well, Richard comes to town a lot, but we never hear about it except for the, the, the inner reading group or whatever. Yeah, well, it's really funny because I had a conversation with him on the phone the other day, and I haven't spoken to him in a couple of weeks, so we were catching up, and I was like, hey, like, what have you been up to? And he's like, no, not much. He's like, I came in about nine days ago. It was just a really small gathering. It was me, Doug Desher, and Tom Darby, and we went out to dinner. And I was like, oh, I was like, I would have loved to have known that you were coming into town. Yeah, my best friend. I haven't seen him in Ghana. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that. And... um but even that, I think the, that well, if, if we get together once every, what, two or three months, that's a lot. I don't even think it happens that much anymore. You know, so, uh, but life goes on. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. You know, people get married, have kids, moving on. Um, and, you know, lives lead. Well, you know how Brandon used to, well, you know, was, used to be an owner and was very involved. But now that he's moved on to become a writer and uh, a semi-celebrity, I suppose, you know, he stopped coming up to Westchester to have dinner with us when we, the store was around. And uh, now we never really see him at all. I mean, because some people have some contact with him. But I guess somewhere along the way, it was, it was pointed out that for him, his experiences with alternate realities are a thing of the past. It was a, a phase of his life that he's moved on from. Yeah. He doesn't have that kind of sentimental t- uh, attachment to. I guess something was, I don't remember what, ex- what it was exactly, but I suddenly understood what he meant you know, what was what he's thinking or what goes on in his head about that, you know? Because like, you know, as much as alternate reality was was, was the great experience, it's like, you know, I can see I, I've I feel like I've moved on. You know, while I appreciate seeing the people and enjoying, you know, chatting and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I certainly wouldn't you know, again if Brian Claudio called and said, Let's go to Fridays and have a couple of beers, it's like sure. But um but it's not the everyday that it used to be. Yeah, you know, suddenly I understood what Brandon was thinking and what goes on. You know, again, he's had now he's got what two kids. You know, he and I talked about this very briefly when I had him on the podcast this season. You know, I never get the sense that it's anything negative necessarily. It's just that he has moved on, and that's you know that chapter is closed. Yeah, but that's life. You right. know, and I think it's and I think it's happened for a lot of the people from the store that you know they have moved on as well. You know, for some of them, I don't think if they never saw each other again, I don't think they, it mattered to them at all. So, but that's, but that's the real world. I won't say it's bad, but it's a little sad. You know, I think a year could go by and I'll never see, I haven't seen Carolyn in six months. What a down note to go out. (laughs) (laughs) You had to edit, put that at the beginning. So, (laughs) but it is the reality. I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, uh, bad or unnatural. I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. And I, I think those, those bonds are there. When we do get together, it's it's a great time. And I don't, you know, I don't yeah, know what else I, to say. Yeah, I don't, I don't want people to think we don't get together because we do. But we it's just, just different kinds of groups. You know, it's like you and Steph or something like that. Just you know, just couples or whatever. But um, but uh, I guess without the store, and I guess this is the point that you've always had about the store is that without that central point, there's no reason for people to get together unless they actually just want to get together for dinner. But yeah, so I mean, I think gatherings are still happening, but there are different groupings of people. There are different types of outings and events, and it's just kind of morphed a little bit and maybe a little bit more splintered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. So it goes. The legacy of the store endures nonetheless. <laughs> In a way, I suppose.
Well, you know, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be part of the season finale. I mean, this season would not have been complete without you. Oh, you're you're crazy, but that's all right. No, I mean, honestly, listen, I really wanted to say, you know, I I visited a lot of stores over these past months and some great shops that are doing some really cool things, things that I would have loved for us to do at alternate realities. But, you know, AR is still my store. Huh, thank you. You know, and it always will be. And that's certainly something that I've come to appreciate even more uh during all of my travels but you know it's, it's really been an interesting journey and i mean i know i've said this to you before on the show off the show but i mean just again thank you so much for everything i mean i'm just so grateful that i was able to be a part of alternate realities i'm just so worried about you that somewhere along the way there's going to be nothing left to talk about about alternate realities and then you've got to actually go get a career <laughs> <laughs> well that's why i'm going to all these other stores <laughs> okay yeah, I don't know how much more there is left yeah, to say about alternate realities. Yeah, I feel like long after I'm dead, it's like, okay, 40 years have gone by and you're still talking about the alternate realities. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> Listen, it's that's a long list of Odoisms, oh, my friend. All right. All right. I don't even remember what they were. I mean, you wrote them down. So hopefully you still have that list someplace. I might have a copy somewhere. Oh, I have a copy. Don't worry. Yeah. But I mean, so, you know, again, thank you, of course. And uh, while we're on the subject of thank yous, as I said earlier, everyone who participated in that Kickstarter campaign, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, Everyone I had on the show this season, all the comic shops who welcomed me and and were part of the show and promoted and and everything. uh, It was was great getting to meet you and explore your stores. Everyone who listened, uh, there really wouldn't be much point to this if people weren't listening. So whether you're listening on your commute, at work, on the toilet, wherever. (laughs) I really do appreciate it. Dan Pritchard, my guardian angel in Australia, uh, he's the man behind the music, the theme song for both this show and Flat Squirrel Tales. Uh, Dan's been such a supporter and a great resource. And uh, Dan, thank you very much, my friend. And I saved the best for last, of course, my wife, Stephanie, who was with me on all of these shop visits taking photos and just being so patient and hearing more about podcasts and Kickstarters and documentaries than anyone really should have to. Uh, and was just so supportive. Uh, I really couldn't fathom doing this without her. So uh, my immense thanks to everybody uh, I just uh, gave a shout out to. She's a nice girl. She I, sure is. I like her. <laughs> yeah, I did good, right? Yeah, yeah. You're lucky. <laughs> As we're winding down here, I do have a little bit of of news and business items to to take care of for our listeners here. So in seasons past, we did holiday specials after the conclusion of the season. No holiday specials this year. Uh, Both Flat Squirrel Tales and My Comic Shop History are ending in late November. So uh, holiday specials would really feel more like 13th episodes rather than uh, true specials. So we're just going to call it a day with the season finales. But There's still more content to come. So today, of course, right now you are listening to the My Comic Shop History season finale. Same day, today, uh, by midnight, I don't know exactly what time it's going to be up, but I am launching a new uh, sub-series, a series within a series of My Comic Shop History called My Comic Shop Book Club. And in the premiere episode, we are going to be discussing Doomsday Clock number one, the first issue of DC's new event series that starts today. And I'm very excited to announce that my guest for that episode is DC artist Ken Marion, who has drawn Trinity and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps and a bunch of other books. So I'm really excited to speak with Ken about Doomsday Clock number one. So again, that episode, my comic shop book club discussing Doomsday Clock, that will be available today uh, before the day is done. 
So keep an eye out for that. It will be a part of the My Comic Shop History feed, so you don't have to subscribe to anything separately. Like I said, it's going to be a sub-series, a series within a series of My Comic Shop History. And I plan to do these My Comic Shop Book Club episodes periodically, maybe on a quarterly basis or so. Uh, so, you know, really just keep an eye and ear out for that. And I'm really excited to, to get those episodes out there as well. Speaking of Ken Marion, Ken is also going to be my guest on the season finale of Flat Squirrel Tales Beyond My Comic Shop. And yes, uh, My Comic Shop History will be back for season four. And I, I guess we might as well announce what the theme is going to be. Are you ready for this, Steve? Can't wait. So it's been important to me that each season covers a different aspect of this industry. So, uh, you know, the DNA of the show remains what it is, but uh, I, it's important to me that each season kind of has its own focus and, and has its own identity and can stand on its own. And so, what's up? Crazy women that I've dated? <laughs> That's going to be another podcast. <laughs> Not even a sub-series. That'll be, that'll be something else oh. maybe one day. Um, no, the theme for season four of My Comic Shop History will be my comic con history. So we're going to do a season focusing on the comic convention scene. And the idea is to tackle different components of the convention. So talk to creators and artist alley, talk to stores that are there as vendors, talk to the organizers, talk to panel moderators, uh, and really put together a comprehensive view of everything that goes into a comic book convention. So that's what's coming up next season. Uh, you can expect to hear those episodes spring 2018. Until then, make sure that you like My Comic Shop History on Facebook, follow me on Twitter at Desi Westside, and on Instagram also at Desi Westside, and of course, make sure you are subscribed to the series My Comic Shop History on Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes. Steve, thank you once again for being part of this. Thank you very much. Well, if you'll indulge me, I do have a couple of concluding words as this season comes to a close. You know, since I began this comic shop odyssey, the question I've been asked most often is why? Why comic shops? On an analytical level, I'm fascinated by the business side of running the store. Uh, it kind of makes me think I should have gotten my MBA instead of my JD. But, you know, comic retailers play an ever-changing role in the hierarchy of the comics industry, and it's one in which they bear an arguably unfair share of the risk. Shops don't get the same attention as creators or characters, and I wanted to give them their due. However, on a deeper, far more personal level, the reason why I did this, it always goes back to alternate realities. My time there with you, Steve, and, and everybody else, it shaped me as a podcaster and as a person. We told a lot of stories at AR that became part of the store lore, that became legend. But I think they became legend because we told them. Telling stories, memorializing them, whether it's sitting around a table at Mickey Spillane's or it's in front of microphones, that's how a place like Alternate Realities, like all of the places I've visited, will never die. My comic shop is history. My comic shop lives forever. Thank you for listening. Remember, always, that hesitation kills. Don't be a flat squirrel. <laughs>